friends and members of the royal family. Peter Hunt has the details. It was the most destructive war that had ever been fought. In Belgium, which was invaded by Germany 100 years ago today, the emphasis will be on reconciliation. There will be an international twilight ceremony at a military cemetery near the city of Mons. It contains the graves of the first and the last British soldiers to die on the Western Front. It's emerged that a soldier who died in a car crash in Northern Ireland came from Bedford. 24-year-old David Gwilt from 2nd Battalion, the Rifles, died alongside another soldier when their car hit a tractor in County Antrim. People at Nebworth are fighting plans to have a solar farm built behind their homes. The application's been made by Solstice Renewables for a 50-acre site. Alice Glossop has more. The proposal is just one of five planned for North Hertfordshire, including Gravely, St Ippolitz, Langley and Codicut. Residents in Nebworth say a public consultation on the proposal wasn't published until the last moment, so few people turned up. The campaign to protect rural England in Hearts say they have been contacted for advice about a surge in applications for solar farms. Residents in Luton say a road that's been resurfaced in the town is worse than before the work started. Contractors tarmacked Gardenia Avenue and Norton Road on Friday morning but didn't tow away a car beforehand. These people say it's a shoddy job. I'm not impressed. The finish is very poor indeed. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think? I, I give it about 4. Looks a mess, to be quite honest. Loose material all over the place. They said that apparently it will settle with road juice, but where's it going to go to? Bottom of our tyres, in our homes. In sport, England finished the Commonwealth Games top of the medal tables but missed out on the final gold in Glasgow. Adrian Grant and Nick Matthew were beaten in the final of the squash doubles by Australia. The weather will be dry with sunny spells at first this morning but cloudy with scattered showers this afternoon. Top temperatures around 23 degrees Celsius at 73 degrees Fahrenheit. You can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Good wide age range of people. It's up and coming, it's up and coming. There's lots of new developments going on. It's all about where you live. Luckily there's a train station right on your doorstep so you can get into London quite quickly. And all this week we're featuring Amptill and Flitic. It's um, got a lot of things going for it. There's lots of positive things. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oops, indeed, my producer friend. Oops, indeed. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... Dodgy Doctors, question mark? Screw you, solar panels. And what on earth have you done to our roads? And a load of other stuff as well. It's it's Monday. We've all kind of got that slightly sluggish Monday feeling. So you can just give us a call about anything if you want, even if it's just to tell us off for being so slack. Oh eight four five nine. Is that the right phone number? Is that I'm getting confused now. That's the what's the phone number, Paul? Oh uh, eight four five nine. Yes. Four double five. Yep. Five double five. That's the phone number. He got it. He got it. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's been... It's been one week since you looked at me. Cocked your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realised it's all my fault but couldn't tell you. Yesterday you 
forgiven me But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry Hold it now and watch the hood wink Does it make you stop think? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman I summon fish to the dish Although I like the shallow swiss I like the sushi Cause it's never touched a frying pan Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes Speak like Leanne rhymes Because I'm all about value Bert Camper's got the mad hits You try to match wits You try to hold me but I bust through Can I make a break and take a fake I like a sink and they can shake I like vanilla It's the finest of the flavors Gonna see the showcase And you'll know the vertigo is gonna go Cause it's so dangerous You'll have to sign a waiver Can I help it if I think you're funny when you're mad Trying hard not to smile though I feel bad I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral Can't understand what I mean Well you soon will I have a tendency to wear my mind on my sleeve I have a history of taking off my shirt It's been one week since you looked at me Threw your arms in the air and said you're crazy Five days since you tackled me I still got the red burns on both my knees It's been three days since the afternoon You realize it's not my fault but a moment too soon Yesterday you'd forgiven me And now I'll sit back and wait till you say you're sorry BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a doctor working at Bedford Hospital, having twice been struck off the med- medical register, has handed his MBE back, citing media pressure. Anjan Kumar Banerjee was awarded the MBE in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours List for his work in patient safety. Well, Tony Fisher has been um, looking into this. What did he do wrong, Tony? Well, Ian, in 2000, he was found guilty by the General Medical Council of falsifying scientific paper, which had been published in 1990, but was covered up for a decade. He substituted his own urine for that of 12 patients in his research into Crohn's disease. That research was published in the leading journal Gut, which then had to formally retract the paper in 2001. After that is, he was found guilty by the GMC, which is the independent regulator for doctors in the UK. Um, He was awarded a degree by the University of London based on the fraud research uh, and he was later suspended from the medical register now two years later he was again found guilty of serious professional misconduct, uh, this time for financial dishonesty, was struck off the medical register. He had misled patients about the length of NHS waiting lists to induce them to go private, then made money by providing the treatment himself. Uh, in one case, a GMC hearing heard how patient, a patient with serious bowel condition was told by Dr Banerjee he would have to wait 20 weeks on the NHS waiting list when, in fact, he could have been operated on very quickly. Uh, concerns were also expressed about his clinical skills and he was restored to the register in 2000. 
2007 and now uses the name Swapu Banerjee. Uh, how come he was allowed to practice again? Well, under GMC rules, doctors who are struck off can reply for reinstatement after five years. Uh, in order to be restored to the register, the GMC told me the doctor must be able to show they've remediated their behaviour and have taken steps to keep in touch with practice while not actually practising medicine. Uh, as for Bedford Hospital, they say all necessary employment checks were carried out by the Trust when he was appointed. Uh, this included checks on his GMC status, and he started work at the Trust at the end of March 2014. As for his Master of Surgery degree, the University of London told me it is aware of the circumstances relating to Dr Banerjee's degree, which was awarded back in 1991. They said we're currently looking at all the facts of the case before considering what course of action to take. What? What I 25 years on. What I don't get is, is he's got this MB, he was awarded this MBE for patient safety. How did he get that? Well, this is, uh, this is where it gets confusing, so mm. bear with me. Uh, the GMC told me the award was made on the recommendation of the Department of Health. Uh, the GMC was approached by the department in April to confirm the registration history of a number of doctors who'd been recommended uh, in the honours. Each of those doctors, they gave them... A name, unique identifier number, where available date of birth, which they checked against their database, share the relevant so relevant registration. So in theory, there should be no confusion. The information they provided about Dr. Banerjee, including the registration status and fitness to practice history, uh, based on the name and details given to them by the Department of Health, was, they say, correct. Trouble was, the GMC says, that was not for the Dr. Banerjee who received the MBE. So there are two Dr. Banerjees? There are two Dr. Banerjees right. on the register. It, clear, it seems fairly obvious there are two different Dr. Banerjees. So I approached the Department of Health... My query was taken on by the Cabinet Office. Spokesman wasn't very helpful. They said, like any other nomination, Dr Banerjee's honour was considered on merit based on the information provided to the relevant Independent Honours Committee, in this case, the Health Honours Committee. So it seems like there's been a massive mistake here somehow. Um, Lord Kekai is the chairman of the Health Honours Committee, as well as being one of the medical members of the GMC. Uh, when I rang him and asked him about Dr Banerjee's MBE, he and apparently couldn't hear what I was saying. Huh? Um, and the cabinet office, cabinet office then rang back to say he was out of the country for a week. Uh, and Dr Anjan Banerjee, the first one, what has he had to say about all of this? Um, well, I spoke to him at length the other evening. He insisted the conversation was off the record. He didn't want to talk about his past. He did, however, send me a statement, uh, which is entitled Personal Statement of Anjan Banerjee, as seen by the Cabinet Office. And it goes, I voluntarily returned the MB that I was awarded in the 2014 birthday honours list. This has been accepted by the Honours Forfeiture Committee. The adverse media coverage surrounding the award has caused distress to me and my family and colleagues and is a significant factor in my taking this action in advance of any decision by the Honours Forfeiture Committee on whether the award should stand. I understand that for reasons outside of my control, the Health Honours Committee were not fully aware of my professional history when the award was originally made. Had I known this, I would not have accepted the MBE. By returning the honour voluntarily, I would like to help maintain integrity of the honours system. Finally, I remain committed to the field of patient safety and intend to continue my work in this area. Um, as for the Cabinet Office, whether they'll accept the return of the SMB or withdraw it officially, we don't know. They just said forfeiture action is confidential. We cannot com comment on whether or not specific cases are being considered. Um, so, in short, this whole case raises a number mm. of questions. How was he really allowed to practice again after being struck off twice? How has his degree stood after all these years on false, based on falsified research? And how on earth did he ever become awarded an MBE? And we'll be looking at this later on in the program. Tony, thank you very much indeed.
Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. The thing about that doctor that kind of strikes me is the whole honours system. The honours system... If they could get it so wrong uh, that they give honours to the wrong person, isn't it time we got rid of the whole crazy setup? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, and the major routes are looking good on camera. No problems to tell you about on the M1 or the M25. A1M uh, moving well through the three counties this morning. If you are heading down onto the North Circular, there's an accident at the bottom of the M11. Uh, car, uh, it's a car broken down, rather. And uh, westbound North Circular in London, slow moving now, Clockhouse to Bounds Green Road. Finally, on the trains, no reported delays this morning. James Wally, BBC, Three Counties Radio. Thank you, James. 6.16, it's Monday the 4th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford doctor who was struck off 12 years ago says he'll hand back his MBE. People in Nebworth have been campaigning, uh, begun campaigning against a 50-acre solar farm and it's exactly 100 years since the start of the First World War. The weather today will be dry with sunny spells this morning but cloudy with scattered showers in the afternoon. BBC Three Counties Radio. Question for you, dear listener, and uh, Paul Scoynes, maybe you can. Uh, mm. So it's um, uh, it's 100 years since the start of World War One. I. I don't. Are we? Am I supposed to have brought your card or something? Do I get? Do I do I shake your hands and say Happy First World War Day? I don't know what the etiquette is. <laughs> but um, what what they and by they I don't know who I mean are asking people to do tonight is to turn off all your lights and uh, maybe have one light on or a candle. Firstly. Who's got candles in their house anymore? No one has candles. No one has candles. We've not had candles since um, the uh, the strikes in the 1970s. <laughs> that was, and that was ex- the strikes in the 70s were exciting because the candles would come out. So who's got a candle? And also, it's a it's a you know it's a big day, and we're playing some World War One stuff a little bit later on. And of course, it's a huge moment in history. Is anybody is anybody going to do that? Is anybody going to do that, to turn off all their lights and light a candle at 10 o'clock at night? I think it's 10 o'clock, or is it 11? 10 o'clock, I think it is. I don't know if anybody's going to... F- Does anybody feel that connected to the story to, to do that? A hundred years ago is a very, very long time. I guess people's grandparents might have a connection. So you probably got a connection yeah. via your grandparents, but... Yes, if you're of an age. If you're, if you're of an age, yeah. I, let's put that. Maybe I'm totally misjudging this. I don't know. It's not in any way a criticism. I think. I think all of these things where people are encouraged to do the same thing at the same time. I think they're very nice and they can be very powerful. I shall. Unfortunately, we'll be fast asleep when ten o'clock comes. Well, your light will be out. My my light will certainly be out, and I certainly won't be leaving a candle on uh, whilst I'm uh, asleep. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Does anybody listening feel close enough, connected enough to uh, World War One to take part in this lights out campaign tonight? Will you be doing it? 08459 oh, 455 555 
Hertfordshire village of Nebworth are fighting plans for a solar farm at the back of their homes. In North Hearts alone, there are four other suggested sites, and in St Albans there are proposals at a further three locations. I'm joined now by Kevin Fitzgerald, who's the director of the campaign to protect rural England in Hertfordshire. Morning, Kevin. Good morning. Why are there so many of these applications now? Well, we, we think it's possibly because, as you know, they're very heavily subsidised by us taxpayers, and the government's been talking recently about reviewing the subsidies, maybe cutting them. Uh, I mean, I think people are sort of trying to get in quick before that happens. What's your beef with solar farms? Well, they are, if you put it another way, another blot on the landscape. I mean, that's actually official to some extent, because a couple of them have been turned down by planning authorities, and one by an inspector at an appeal who said, you know, it was visually harmful to the openness and rural character of the area, inappropriate in the Green Belt. It's just another sort of um, unfortunate thing that, um, you know, it doesn't look very nice and rather spoils the countryside. What what are your um, alternative suggestions for um, supplying energy? Well, this this is one of the good ways of supplying energy. I mean, one thing we have sort of suggested is that there are acres and acres and acres of uh, roofs of, say, industrial buildings, factories, warehouses... Ah. Things like that. So NIMBYism. Well, well, you could. That's a that's a very good Americanism, actually. I mean, it means that people take a pride in their locality and want to sort of look after the character of it and keep that, it nice and living. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation is that that people don't want their their lives messed up a bit. They don't want a little inconvenience for the greater good of of people. It can be a bit more than a little inconvenience. And the other issue is, of course, that this takes up yet again more valuable farmland. And we do see occasionally the comments being made by developers and so on about it's only farmland, therefore you can do something else with it. We do have to eat, of course. We're going to continue eating, we hope. Well, if, if that farmland were used up for solar panels, though, that, that, you'd still be able to eat, wouldn't you, Kevin? Well, you wouldn't be able to grow things on it. What's uh, being grown on it at the moment? Grow crops. What's being so, grown on it at the moment? 
Well, it would be wheat, barley, you know, the usual foodstuffs. So that, that's, that's what it's being used for at the moment? Generally speaking, yes. I mean, most, most of these sites we've seen are agricultural land, are being used for farming at the moment. And indeed, we arable farming. You can, of course, graze sheep under them, but it's not really a sheep area around here. It is arable. We grow, you say, wheat, barley, oats, things of that sort. OK, and so, so they would be removed if these solar farms were, were installed? That's right, over the period of the farms. I mean, what we're doing in CPRE is we're coming up, working up a checklist of criteria that if sort of a planners look at these and if they follow these through, that they will be acceptable. And one of them would be try and avoid the good quality farmland that we're using to produce our food. What's your advice to residents, Kevin, who are worried about areas around their homes uh, being spoiled, as you put it, by solar farms? Well, what they can do is they get in touch with their local planning authority. I mean, the whole thing about any sort of development is keep your eye on what's going on. You know, know what's happening in your area and write to your planning authority and set out the case why you think this is not a good place to put it. Hey, how about instead of solar farms, uh, they put um, some wind turbines up? Would that be better? Not really, no. Oh. <laughs> wind turbines are generally acknowledged again as being big industrial... Uh, it's just, you know, you know that we, we are running out of energy, don't we? And we do need we to look for alternatives. Energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these things are fine in the right places. And I say, in the case of the solar arrays and in wind farms, there are ways of in, putting them into the countryside where it doesn't do serious damage. I mean, away from certain buildings, away from villages, away from beauty spots certain areas of landscape, the way it's formed, can accept these things. And say so we are working up a list of criteria to help people look at it and say, yeah, OK, in this area, that will be fine. It won't do any damage. Not many people will see it. No footpaths across it. It's not going to spoil our way of life. Kevin, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Kevin Fitzgerald, Director of the Campaign to Protect Rural England in Hertfordshire. Your thoughts, please, dear listener. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you regular listeners to the show will know, I think wind turbines are beautiful. Oh, would you want one at the end of your garden? Do you know what? I wouldn't mind. I think they're stunning things. And solar farms? I've, I've seen pictures of them. Are they that ugly? I mean, I don't know the effectiveness of them, but that wasn't Kevin's argument. His argument was they are a blot on the landscape. Put them on the roofs of industrial buildings. Don't put them in fields. Are they really that ugly? Is it such a bad thing? 08459 455 555. I'm getting a bit tired of NIMBYs, to be honest. Like the archers.
here at Risk Bar. Give us a shout. There we go. Don't forget that. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. So a couple of things that we can uh, mm, argue about if you fancy it. Solar farms. What's your beef with solar farms? Uh, we're still going to... I didn't quite buy Kevin's argument. Hey, well, it's, if it's farm, farm ground, farmland, we, we won't be able to eat. Well, if you replace a few fields with solar panels, I think food will still be available in Asda, won't it? Uh, and um, uh, also, this uh, this commemoration, celebration, uh, I don't know what, uh, 10 o'clock tonight, we're all being encouraged to turn off our lights and light one candle or one lamp to uh, uh, commemorate the start of World War One. I. I, th- I love ideas like that. I think they're great. I think things where, where communities are joined together by distance and, and by, you know, th- great. Is anybody actually going to do it, though? Nice idea. Is anyone going to see it through? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, no reported accidents or incidents on the uh, motorways, although the M1 looking rather slow, 9 to 8, looking at the cameras, or heavy, should I say, really, heading down towards the uh, uh, turn for Hemel Hempstead. M25 is moving along well, both clockwise and anti-clockwise. Uh, the North Circular in London delays on the westbound side, Clockhouse to Bounds, Green Road. And as for trains, no reported problems this morning. I'm James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Half past six, I'm Lee Acknew. The headlines, a doctor working at Bedford Hospital having been struck off the medical register twice has handed back his MBE, citing media pressure. Anjan Banerjee was awarded the MBE in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours List for his work in patient safety. People at Nebworth are fighting plans to have a solar farm built behind their homes. The application's been made by Solstice Renewables for a 50-acre site. And residents in Luton say a road that's been resurfaced in the town is worse than before the work started. Contractors tarmacked Gardenia Avenue and Norton Road on Friday morning but didn't bother to tow away a car beforehand. The weather will be dry with sunny spells at first this morning but cloudy with scattered showers this afternoon. Top temperatures around 23 degrees Celsius. That's 73 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rory McIlroy returned to the world number one, winning the World Golf Championships Invitational by two shots from Sergio Garcia in Ohio last night. He sealed victory with four under par 66 in his final round, completing a 15 under par tournament. The 25-year-old says he's feeling confident ahead of the US Open, which starts at Valhalla on Thursday. That's what I'm most proud of, is keeping that mindset of not letting myself fall into any sort of complacency, just to keep going and... uh, you know, just happy to win again and, and obviously very confident going into the, the PGA. The Commonwealth Games have come to a close. Geraint Thomas scored a fifth and final gold medal for Wales at the road racing in Glasgow yesterday. Thomas spoke afterwards about Peter Kenyuk from the Isle of Man, who led the race from the start, only to be overtaken in the closing stages. It's unfortunate for him. I think he was hoping for a few people to go with him. And, uh, yeah, so he was stuck out there on his own. And So, uh, yeah, that's it's just unfortunate for him, you know. But he'd kind of bought his ticket, so to speak, and that was it, so... Britain's number one tennis player Andy Murray has confirmed he wants Amelie Moresmo to remain as his coach for the foreseeable future. Murray says they've made plans to keep working together following Wimbledon. I'm planning on working with her for the foreseeable future. Um, I sat down with her to 
the day after Wimbledon and you know, I really enjoyed working with her over the grass court season and um, she enjoyed working with the team. The Milton Keynes Dons host newly promoted Premier League side Leicester this evening with a 7.45 kick-off at Stadium MK. And finally, in cricket, Buckinghamshire side Dinton lost to Great Chu in the semi-finals of the National Village Cup. BBC Three Counties News and Sport, more at 7 o'clock.
when Talking Heads started going funky. I lost interest when they got funky. I preferred oh, it when they were punky. I like the funk. Punky over funky every single freaking time. Dave's on the line. Morning, Dave. Morning, Ian. What you got for us? Uh, long time no speak, mate. How you been? Yeah, I'm okay. Good, good, good. Um, about, the world, about the World War One thing, I, I won't be doing it because I wasn't born then. Well, there's a, you don't necessarily... People weren't born when Jesus was around, but they still go to church on a Sunday and praise him. Yeah, yeah, you got a point there. Yeah. But that's because that, that's, that's they're brainwashed, but that's just my opinion. Gosh, there we go, Dave. Thank you very much indeed. There you go, you see. He's, he's talking about the, the lighting the candle tonight at 10 o'clock to commemorate World War One. Is it? I think it's a really nice idea. It's like, is it Earth, Earth Hour they have, where everyone has to turn off in the world mm. their lights for an hour? And I think, oh, it's a really nice idea. I never do it. No. I never do it. I think these things are nice ideas, but ultimately futile. Will anybody be burning a candle this evening at both ends? I will, hey? But I mean at 10 o'clock. Yeah, definitely. I mean one candle. Ah, I'm out. <coughs> Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Should you wish to give us a call? Hey, last mm. night, go on. I'm trying to get access to some websites. Okay, not a. Oh, come on, guys. Do you want to rephrase that? Yeah, I'm trying to clear some images off my hard drive. <laughs> I'm trying to get. I'm trying to. I own some websites, but I don't actually own them. Someone else has got them, but they're mine. Yeah. This person is no longer talking to me for whatever reason. Okay. So I had to phone up last night, pretending not to be this other, pretending to be a third part. Anyway, I phoned up pretending to be my mate Andy <laughs> because I thought the websites were registered in his name. Okay. Right? So I'm talking to this woman and, I, and she's, we're talking and basically she said, it's not under your name, Andy. Uh. I said, ah, who, who do you need to speak to? Well, if I could speak to Mr. Ian, <laughs> me, I was like, oh. Right, so if I got Mr. Ian to phone you up now, and it was me. Would you be able to help him? Yeah, I think I'd be able to help him. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him a call. He'll phone you up in a couple of minutes. So I put the phone down, and I'm thinking, now, I, I've, got, I've got to phone up and pretend to be me now. <laughs> so I phoned up, and I couldn't do it in my voice, because if it had been the same lady, she would have heard my voice. Yeah. And it was being, the phone calls are being recorded as well. Oh, yeah. Hello, my name's Ian Lee. <coughs> I've been, just been told by my friend Andy that maybe I should give you a call. Pardon? I know. My accent started off Australian, ended, went via South Africa, and ended up in Swindon. <laughs> it was awful. And this woman, I mean, fair play, this woman didn't have a clue, and she was answering my question. Hello? I'd like, yeah, yeah, my name's Ian. I'd like to get access to the websites, please. May I have them now? <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> I've never had to pretend to be me on the phone before. Was it the same lady? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. She sounded similar, but I don't want to sound racist. Well, your accents are pretty good. Ian. Thank you, man. So, you know. Thank you, man. Either way, you probably got away with it. Uh, uh, either way, it didn't work. I didn't get the information that I required. Oh. And I just, I was just, oh, I was sat in my room thinking, I hope my wife doesn't walk past and hear this. Do you need me to uh, pretend to be you? Well, no, th- no, because me, they know what I sound like now. They know what my friend Andy sounds like. If I need you to be another person, then yes, you're in. Okay. Can you do a girl's voice? Uh, yeah, that's not bad. What you got in the papes? Um, you know these... Oh, I don't know if it's an urban myth that they have sort of myths... About the, about the, um, the robbers who, um, who took pictures uh, on the camera of a toothbrush. Oh, up toothbrushes. There, that one. Did that ever happen? That happened to a friend of mine. Really? Did Why you, not? Did you steal that? I put a toothbrush... Why would you put a toothbrush? No. Um, Where the sun shine. These are the... I, I was always told at school, oh, yeah, you've got to look out for this one-pound coin because it's misprinted and it's going to... You know, it's worth £25 or so on. What? 
a f yeah so you could coins that were turned out the wrong way or like two pound coins where the queen's head was on both sides by mistake when did that ever happen there's all i've always heard i've heard about those okay i'm, I'm not making myth. this up you, okay. it's an urban myth maybe but according to the mail uh, a former petrol station owner has sold the world's only silver two pence piece Ugh, for nearly 1400 pounds he wrapped it in some tin foil well, it was apparently a freak coin. Freak uh, you in a minute. Among a roll of new currency whilst filling uh, the till at his business in 1988. So it's quite an old hey, coin. here's something. Go on. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Don't you? Don't you? Yeah. Girl, uh, speaking of girls, well, not hot, <laughs> because she's only four. The girl of four whose mum thinks it's okay to dress her up as, as anybody, a hooter's Waitress. <laughs> wow. Now, for those who don't know, Hooters is a chain of restaurants. I believe they're in this country now. They're certainly in the United States, where it's big-breasted women wearing Hooters t-shirts and tight hot pants. Can I say the only time I've been in a Hooters was in um, Las Vegas, mm -hmm. the worst place in the world. Why anybody would want to go there? Right? And I was there with a group of people. We're all getting served by these hot women in Hooters outfits, except me. Do you know who served me? No. A guy. <laughs> a guy in a Hooters outfit that's served not, me. That's, the, and that's totally defeated. And he was the only guy working there, and he, folk, he came and served me. Anyway, it's a particularly unpleasant um, uh, look. It, it's, a, it's a sexual look. There's no yeah, denying it. It's called no Hooters. It. Yeah. Uh, a mother has come under fire for dressing her four-year-old daughter in a Hooters waitress outfit for a beauty pageant. Leanne Dix... Uh, yeah, she does. 33, created the costume for Scarlett, who was featured in a TV documentary, Blinging Up Baby. Hey. Ms Dix from Portsmouth even taught her da daughter a dance routine, which included the splits and pelvic thrusts. Oh. Oh. Four. Four years old. Four years old. Miss Dix defended her decision to dress Scarlett in the Hooters outfit for the teeny Miss Beauty competition. You do try and be original... So something you have not seen before. That's, that's original. Mm. Some people may say it's controversial. But at the end of the day, little girls wear swimming costumes to the beach all summer. And that's not a controlled environment. <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> this woman... Now, now, we have to be careful because Leanne Dix is not here to defend herself. But she's an idiot. <laughs> what a ridiculous thing to do. Look, it's a little four-year-old girl yep. wearing tight little orange hot pants and a hooter's top. Yeah. Outrageous. Disgusting. Child abuse. Take that child off her. Um, a businessman, this is uh, also in the Times, a business, I, 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 I've often wondered if people would ever do this. Go on. So he was so frustrated by the roadworks near to his house. Oh, yeah. He's actually gone and built a toll road alongside the uh, roadworks. He's done what? He spent £150,000 oh, to build a slip of road which totals around 360 metres and uh, he's charging motorists £2 to travel each way because it's going to be closed uh, for the rest of the season and he says that so far he's had a 100% positive response from building his own road alongside the I, road that's well, not a how, road How can you build your own road? Surely there is laws against that. Well I would have thought so too I mean presumably there must be, he must have had it signed off from the highways agency, I don't know I, 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 mean, I tell you the people, I I, the business people I respect, and this is who Sir Alan Sugar should get on his television show, The Apprentice, uh, are those guys that they're near a concert venue, Earl's Court or something like that, and they break into a car park, they cut the chain and the padlock off, they open the car park, <laughs> they, they put on a high-vis jacket, and they charge suckers like me a tenner to park there all day. Those guys! 
Uh, if only they paid tax, then boy oh boy, this country would be in a much safer place, uh, wouldn't it? Wouldn't es- it? Especially when you get towed by the company which actually owns the which car park. Which actually owns uh, the car park. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We'll have a little bit of travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And we'll start on the M25, building up anti-clockwise, 21 to 20, the M1 round towards Kings Langley, we can see on camera, and then it's also very heavy, down to 16 for the M40. Southbound M1's quite heavy, 10 to 9, south of Luton, down towards the uh, Whipsnay turn-off. And the A1, Barnard Bypass, if you're heading into London, uh, there's an accident on the uh, A1 at the Stirling Corner Junction, the outside lane is shut, causing queues. No reported problems, though, for trains this morning. I'm James Wally, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you very much. 6.45 exactly. It's uh, Monday the 4th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford doctor who was struck off 12 years ago says he will hand back his MBE. People in Nebworth say they don't want a solar farm built near their homes. And events are taking place to mark the start of the First World War 100 years ago. Let's get the weather. Here's Georgina. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, we've got some sunny spells on the way today. Uh, they, they continue well into this evening as well. However, some isolated showers around this afternoon. They're pretty few and far between, so certainly not all of us will see them. However, some of them are going to be quite heavy as well. Temperatures look like they'll reach about 22 or 3 degrees Celsius. And tonight, a largely dry night with clear spells. Temperatures down to about 12 degrees. A little cool, so probably quite comfortable again. And tomorrow, after a bright start, it does cloud over somewhat. However, still some sunshine around and similar temperatures up to 22 or 3 degrees celsius wednesday though we have a fragmenting band of showers is the way to describe it it looks like it gets slightly lighter as it heads towards us but still quite a wet day on wednesday thursday sunny spells and isolated showers and then back to heavy rain on friday that's your latest forecast With football, no day is just a day. December. It's a day where memories are made. I think something has to, will have to be done and uh, I will have to look at uh, the situation very closely. December the 17th, 2013. Sports News, Gianfranco Zola has resigned as manager of Watford. Betting has been suspended on who will become the new Watford manager as Italian Giuseppe Sonino is backed in at 6-1 to one on. As far as I have seen, is a, is a manager with a lot of character who will make us work very, very hard. With three counties sport, we'll make every day memorable. The 2014-2015 season starts on Saturday, August the 9th on BBC Three Candies Radio. So what makes some memories, guys? So what have we got so far to talk about? Uh, solar farms? Is there, What's your beef with solar power, for goodness sakes? Ever pretended to be yourself? Hmm. And will anybody be uh, d- d- taking part in the rather noble... Um, but futile? I don't know. Lighting of a candle this evening at ten o'clock. Chocolate. 
Residents in Luton say a road that's been resurfaced in the town is worse now than it was before the work started. If you want to have a cheeky little look at it, you can. You go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Contractors were in such a rush to complete the work on Gardenia Avenue and Norton Road on Friday morning that they tarmacked around a car rather than towing it away. Well, the council have told us the car should have been removed and they're investigating. Well, later we'll find out if there's been any improvement over the weekend, but here's what residents told our reporter Tony Fisher on Friday. Oh, no, 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 no. Here's what they told him. Barry, what do you think about the state of this road? Well, you know, I'm not impressed. The finish is very poor indeed. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think? I, I give it about 4. They tape it down. They weren't even putting the tapes in the bags. They were just leaving the bag and putting the tape on the outside. And people living down there were actually picking up the bags and getting rid of them themselves. What about that car that they've had to go round? It looks ridiculous, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Well, I don't know why. I had a knock on the door this morning. There was a car parked outside of our door. And it wasn't mine. I said I had no idea who the car it belonged to. But what they said was that if it's not moved, it'll be towed. So that green Corsa should have been towed away, and it hasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't believe they've gone round it. You know, but I mean, that's, they have. That's, that's defeating the whole object of what they're doing, isn't it? Really, you know, dear, oh dear, they're under tight pressure, and, and you and know, they've done a botched job. As far as I'm concerned, as I say, I only give a four out of ten, and that's not good. What do you think of this road? Unpleasant, unsightly. Looks a mess, to be quite honest. Loose material all over the place. They said they apparently it will settle with road use, but where's it going to go to? Bottom of our tyres? In our homes? Who knows? On your shoes? Possibly. And apparently they take no responsibility, according to their literature, to damage. 
and they've reversed in your driveway? I believe so. The chap said that, um, I said, it's like someone's turned in the row, our cars haven't moved. And he said, well, they went in and came out. Is it acceptable, do you think? I wouldn't say so. Do you, do you think there was any need for this? Because of one of these keyless ignition things, you know. The road was slightly uh, uneven. Um, it's not as bad as some roads, but if you're going to do all of the roads, it makes sense to get them all done at the same time if, if it's cost-effective to do so, rather than do one six months and then another three months later. So, is that what they're doing? Possibly. Well, all the roads seem to be affected. Um, not that it's an election year next year, is it not? Third-world countries and other countries, when it's an election year, you see uh, improvements on your roads and services. That's what I would uh, perhaps aim towards. Really? Oh, so you're suggesting this is perhaps a, a, an election a ploy? A political ploy, yes, possibly. Wow, OK. <laughs> Keep the residents happy, but I, I'm not sure the residents are going to be happy with this. No, some may, some may not, but no, I wouldn't say it's an improvement. <laughs> it jumped. No, it didn't.
more stories, Scoins. What you got? Okay, you like video games. Oh, I love video games. I've not played a video game for about a year. Well, um, according to this research from Oxford University, so you'd hope that it was... Uh, the OU. Oh, no, hang on. That's something else. <laughs> Children who play video games for up to an hour a day are happier, more sociable, less hyperactive... And uh, uh, and sort of generally all around better than those kids who don't play at all. No, they're not, Paul. As we all know, that video games are responsible for jihadists going to Syria. That was in the papers last week, guys. Someone saying that Call of Duty is responsible for young Muslims taking up jihad against everybody else. And they're also responsible for young loners turning themselves into psycho killers. Can I just say, state for the record now, this is following years and years of uh, intensive research, that video games do not uh, turn people into psycho killers or turn people into jihadists this is the study and it says young people who indulged in a little video game playing were associated with being better adjusted than those who had never played or those who were on video games for three hours or more so it's just a small amount so if you're on all the time yep then that's a worry but if you just do an hour or so a day that's fine i haven't played a video game for ages because i have children and the children aren't allowed to know that video games exist although my plan is when they're sort of five and three is to show them a spectrum (laughs) uh so for like three years all they play is a spectrum and then go hey there's a new video game system do you want to play it they go yeah sure and show them xbox i just want to see how their tiny minds Uh, cope uh, with that quantum leap in sure. video game graphics. So you want to sort of intersperse it with maybe an Atari. A little bit of a, the old Atari. Or a Commodore. Uh, but I, maybe, listen, my wife is going away for three weeks. Mm. And as the saying is, when the cat's away, the mice will be running all over the shop. Fancy um, having a little bit of Call of Duty and FIFA and maybe some more violent video games with me, Scoins? Yeah. See you later, alligator. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, what a lot to talk about. We, so it's, it's, there's evidence, if evidence need be proved, that video games are good for you. And will anybody be like a candle tonight for World War One. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And the M1, very busy southbound. We can see on the speed sensors heading from 10 to 9, Luton down to Redbourne and Whipsnade. Uh, the M25, slow anti-clockwise, 21 to 20, and then 18 to 16 is queuing. That's Joywood down to the M40. The A1M's looking OK. The A1, though, very slow into London because of an accident at Stirling Corner. Uh, the accident blocking the outside lane. In fact, it has just cleared, but unfortunately there's a queue from the Holiday Inn turn-off. And on the trains, a good service, no reported problems across the three counties. I'm James Wally, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, James. So, video games are good for you. They're good for you? Can we find the oldest gamer listening to this show, please? And tonight, to commemorate World War I, at 10 o'clock, you're being asked to switch off all of your lights and light either one lamp or a candle. Wonderful sounding idea, but... Is anybody actually going to do it? Does anybody have a real connection to World War One? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven o'clock, I'm Lee Agnew. The headlines, Bedford doctor to return his MBE. 100 years since the start of the First World War. And people in Nebworth say they don't want a solar farm. BBC Three Counties Radio. A doctor working at Bedford Hospital, having been struck off the medical register twice, has handed back his MBE. Anjan Banerjee was awarded the MBE in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours List for his work in patient safety. Tony Fisher reports. In 2000, Dr Banerjee was found to have falsified research 
almost 10 years after the work was carried out. In 2002, he was struck off for gross professional misconduct for inducing patients to go private, misleading them about the length of NHS waiting times and making money for himself. In a statement, he said the Health Honours Committee was not fully aware of his professional history and had he known this, he would not have accepted the MBE. The 100th anniversary of when Britain entered the First World War is being marked with events in the UK and Belgium. They'll be attended by senior politicians and members of the royal family. Peter Hunt has the details. It was the most destructive war that had ever been fought. In Belgium, which was invaded by Germany 100 years ago today, the emphasis will be on reconciliation. There'll be an international twilight ceremony at a military cemetery near the city of Mons. It contains the graves of the first and the last British soldiers to die on the Western Front. It's emerged that a soldier who died in a car crash in Northern Ireland came from Bedford. 24-year-old David Gwilt from 2nd Battalion, the Rifles, died alongside another soldier when their car hit a tractor in County Antrim. People in Nebworth are fighting plans to have a 50-acre solar farm built behind their homes. It's one of five solar farms planned across North Hertfordshire. Kevin Fitzgerald from the Campaign to Protect Rural England told Ian Lee they spoil the countryside. Well, they are another plot of a landscape. I mean, that's actually official to some extent because a couple of them have been turned down by planning authorities and one by an inspector at an appeal who said, you know, it was visually harmful to the openness and rural character of the area, inappropriate in the Green Belt. Residents in Luton say a road that's been resurfaced in the town is worse than before the work started. Contractors tarmacked Gardenia Avenue and Norton Road on Friday morning but didn't bother to tow away a car beforehand. The council's promised to rectify any faults. These people say it's a shoddy job. No, I'm not impressed. The finish is very poor indeed. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think? I, I give it about 4. Looks a mess, to be quite honest lose material all over the place. They said they apparently it will settle with road use, but where's it going to go to? Bottom of our tyres in our homes. In sport, the Commonwealth Games has come to an end with England at the top of the medals table and in golf, Rory McIlroy has won the World Golf Championships Invitational in America. The weather will be dry with sunny spells at first this morning but cloudy with scattered showers this afternoon. Top temperatures around 23 degrees Celsius, 73 degrees Fahrenheit. You can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. It's a small town so you can come home and do all your shopping. And all this week we're featuring Amptill and Flittick. Amptill is a fantastic Georgian town which is an absolutely brilliant place to live. It's all about where you live. When I first lived here I think there was about 5,000 population. I think it's about 45 now. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Monday the 4th of August. How on earth? Busy show this morning. Coming up next, a doctor who practices in Bedford uh, got an MBE despite having been struck off. It's 100 years since the start of the First World War. Does it matter to you? Have you got any connection with it at all? Turns out video games are good for you. Can we find the oldest gamer listening to this show, please? Oh, and late, remind me to talk to you later on about my rabbit. No, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that he's going to die again. Not again. No, not again. He went, he went missing for a few weeks. We got him back. He didn't. He didn't. He definitely didn't die. 
08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, Benji has gone, um... Sorry? Benji? Benji Bunny. Benji Bunny? Yeah. What's wrong with Benji Bunny? He's gone patchy. Uh, he's got mange. No, he's not got mange. His fur's not falling out. Yeah. He's gone brown. He's grey and he's gone brown. I think that's just the mud, because it's been raining a bit. Uh, oh, well, yeah, that's true. But he's got... His, the, his, the, his fur is kind of in different colours. So there are some grey patches, and then there are some sort of darker patches, and then there are some lighter patches. Is that... Does any, are you a rabbit person? I'm not. I've then never why am I even talking to well, you? I don't know. I've got... Oh wait, four five nine four. You've got a what? Cat. Okay. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. If anybody knows anything about the upkeep and indeed the welfare of rabbits, it hasn't moved for a month either. Well, hang on. It's not moved for a month. Now I'm not a vet. Yes. Uh, but I would say that's ringing some alarm bells. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it later on. We'll talk about it a bit later on. Now, a doctor working at Bedford Hospital, having twice been struck off the medical register, has handed his MBE back, citing media pressure. Anjan Kumar Banerjee was awarded the MBE in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours List for his work in patient safety. Well, we can speak now to Dr. Peter Wilmshurst, who first reported Dr. Banerjee to the GMC. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. When did you first become aware of Dr. Banerjee? Um, in, the, in the mid or early 1990s. And what, 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 uh, why, why was he struck off? What, um, what had he done? Well, I reported him to the GMC in about, uh, I think it was 1998, and he was first struck off in 2000 because he had falsified research, scientific research. And that was um, some publications in a medical journal called Gut. Um, and during, by the time he had, uh, was awaiting his GMC hearing, he'd already been suspended from the hospital he worked at because of other concerns that had arisen about his skills as a surgeon and because of concerns about... Um, his financial conduct, and particularly his private practice, and the fact later proved that a second GMC hearing in 2002 that he uh, performed inappropriate operations on patients for financial gain. He was basically saying, if you have this done on the NHS, it's going to take months, but you could come and see me privately and we can do it next week. Uh that sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm summarising slightly, but in, in response, uh, regards to the, um, the his research that was falsified, how did you find out about that? And was there ever any question in your mind about reporting him? Um, well, I first found out in the uh, mid 1990s, and at that time it was actually fairly common knowledge. Oh. When I learned, it was quite common knowledge. Lots of people knew. Um, and the surprising thing is that he hadn't been reported before. My, I had some initial concerns about reporting him to the GMC because previously when I'd reported people to the GMC for falsifying research, the GMC had refused to do anything about those cases. Oh. And there were a large number of cases that I had reported uh, of serious misconduct which the GMC never did anything about, which concerned me. Uh, but I spoke um, at the British Medical Journal um, to the editor and to other members of staff 
at a meeting that they asked me to give about the problem of research misconduct. And at the seminar, it was suggested by Richard Smith, then the editor, and Richard Horton, the editor of The Lancet, that I should again report him. Um, and I did so in, um, shortly afterwards. Is it a, how serious a thing is it to falsify research like that? Uh, well, it's uh, very serious because if you falsify research, people get the wrong treatment. I mean, there are, um, for example, it's been estimated that the falsified research of a fellow called uh, Professor Poldermans in Rotterdam, now proved to have been falsified, probably led to 10,000 patient deaths per year in the United Kingdom over a period of about five years. So his falsified research probably resulted in about 50,000 deaths in Gosh. the UK alone, and his research was used throughout uh, Europe. So f false research leads to patient death. The interesting thing about his uh, degree is uh, he got his degree in 1991. The University of London, uh, 23 years later, says it's still considering what action to take about that. Yes, well, I have been trying to get the University of London to do something about that for years because uh, at the GMC hearing in 2000, Dr. Banerjee said, and his lawyers said, they admitted that the data in his Master of Surgery degree at the University of London was exactly the same as in the main article that was published in the journal Gut. And... Um, when the GMC found that the main article in gut was false, it followed that the research and data published in the thesis, the University Master of Surgery thesis, must also be false. But the university um, did not withdraw the thesis. I should say, of course, that the university was told in about 1990, in other words, before the university gave Banerjee the thesis, they had already been told at that point that the data was false, and they gave the thesis anyway, or gave the degree anyway. So the university knew it was false when they awarded the degree, and what's more, after the GMC hearing, the, G um, the University of London asked Professor Michael Farthing uh, who was a GMC and is still a GMC member, to look at the thesis. And Michael Farthing uh, told the university that it was definitely the same false data um, as uh, had been awarded, uh, sorry, had been published in GUT, and yet the university still did not withdraw the thesis. Peter, Dr Banerjee is still practising. Uh, the GMC let him back five years later. He's now a locum at Bedford. Should he be? Well... The GMC, I, I can't argue, I mean, my difficulty is I have a personal opinion, but that's, uh, the GMC have ruled, and the GMC is the body that makes the rules, but some of us um, are, you know, some people would say that they would not personally be happy to be treated by Dr. Banerjee. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know how his skills have improved um, since since the GMC's hearings and his conduct has improved, but he has been removed from the medical register on two occasions. And I understand that the GMC at his reinstatement hearing actually opposed his reinstatement, 
Um, but that was overruled by the judicial process because it is a judicial process. It's, it, it's governed by uh, laws in this country. Peter, uh, fascinating stuff. I really appreciate your time and your thoughts on that. That's uh, Dr Peter Wilmshurst, uh, who first reported Dr Banerjee to the GMC. Does something like that worry you, or should people get a second chance? 08459 555 555. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Um, Murph. Has, uh, Ian has uh, emailed in. Ian, I heard that Dr Fox got struck off and now he's a DJ. I believe that is uh, could be hashtagged as classic bants. Irene's in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Irene. Good morning, Ian. What can I do for you this morning? Um, you were talking about the candles and the lights. Oh, yes. For the remembrance today. Yes, we're all being encouraged to switch off our lights and light a little candle at 10 o'clock. Is, is anyone going to do it? Um, well, yeah, I, I, can, I cannot do, uh, a really, I'm not supposed to do a candle, but Why? where I live, we have a little tiny green, um, like a night light type thing. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to have that on, switch all my other light off, because, yes, my father was in First and Second War. Oh, and also, um, my mother's brother. He didn't come back. Oh, dear. And so, yes, so, I, 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 I just think that there's a sacrifice that they made. Yes. Though, especially those that lost their lives. Yeah, we, and far too many people did. So I, I would imagine, Irene, that you'll be, you'll be remembering, uh, the, them, rem- remembering them tonight. Well, I will, but um, my father was in um, three naughty campaigns, really. Naughty campaigns? Well, I would say bad campaigns, then, if you want to call it that no, way. What? I mean, he was in Passchendaele, which was Ypres. Yeah. He was in Gallipoli, which Ooh. really was, yeah. Yeah. And then went on to Palestine. Um, oh so he didn't come back to come out of the war until 1920, because that was back over over there. And then went in the Second War. Irene, I, one question off on a slight tangent. Why aren't you allowed to use candles? Are you a bit of a pyro? Um, <laughs> well, I've got a candle here, but we have a, a fire safe. Oh, OK. Not sure. OK. If I was to do it, um, whether it was set off the alarm, oh, I don't know. Oh, no. oh, don't set the alarm off, Irene. Oh, no. People think it's an air raid. <laughs> Irene, thank you very much indeed. Well, there's someone who's got a, a very personal connection <clears throat> with World War One. Uh, so that's the first person who's going to be lighting a candle tonight. Well, not lighting a candle. She doesn't want to set off the alarms, but having a little night light on. Is anybody else going to be doing it? Is anybody else under the age of 60 going to be lighting a candle? I suspect that Irene is of a <clears throat> certain age. Good for her. Well done. Is anybody under 60 going to be doing it? 08459 555555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The southbound M1 slow moving down towards Junction 10, that's Luton Airport, and then fairly heavy down then to 9, approaching the uh, Redbourne turn-off. M25, anti-clockwise is slow, 21 to 20, the usual queues 18 to 16, Chorleywood down to the M40. No reported problems, though, on the M40 this morning. The A1 is slow into London, approaching the Mill Hill Circus turn. The accident, by the way, at Stirling Corner, that's gone, but uh, congestion down to Stirling Corner remains. And on the trains, a good service, no delays. Uh, across the three counties. I'm James Worley, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 
Right. 7.16. It's Monday the 4th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford doctor who was struck off in 2002 says he's handing back his MBE. People in Nebworth say they don't want a solar farm built near their homes. And it's exactly a century since the uh, start of the First World War. The weather today, dry, sunny spells this morning, but turning cloudy this afternoon. See Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning. My show's called The JVS Show. Nine o'clock in the morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. I deal with the consumer problems that affect people all over beds, hearts and bucks. And I said, well, I didn't come all this way to be looking at a broken down hotel. Those companies, those councils, those organisations that are letting people down. This guy turned around and said to me that they're not prepared to pay me and I said, so you're forcing me to take action. And he said, good luck and put the phone down on me. I get my teeth into them. Oh, Jonathan, I'll start we don't know what to do. Deal with them and hopefully get results for you, the consumers. And it got so convoluted, I thought there's only one person who can sort this out. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, baby. That is what I'm talking about. Luanne's in Flittick. Morning, Luanne. Oh, hang on a second. Look at those. Look at those. Hello, Luanne. Hello. Good morning. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know anything about rabbits? The furry kind. <laughs> Steady. Steady. Now, please, focus. <laughs> don't cry, do you? The, the, no, I the, don't. OK. The, uh, no, anyway, right. Sorry, you caught me completely off guard there. I know, that's the plan. But that's not what you've called in. I, my rabbit's gone all funny, and I'm, I'm hoping he's all right. Oh, better go and see a vet then. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, they cost a few quid. Anyway, um, what, what have you called in about, Luanne? Um, lighting a candle... Yeah, are you going to do it? I'm under, I'm under 60. Only just. Um, however, I had a bit of a trial run last night because I thought it was last night and not tonight. So I'm doing two candles. Sorry? I'm doing... I d- four candles? <laughs> no, not four candles. Two candles. Two candles. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to... Why are you going to... Hang on, I'm confused as why you're doing two candles because you did one last night. I did one last night. What? A bit of a practice run because I thought it was last night. Oh. All holidays, I completely got mixed up with the dates oh. and everything. So you were you were uh, remembering the night a uh, hundred years ago when we the world was at peace. Exactly. And now, <laughs> why are you doing it? Well, I just think it's out of respect for all those people that died for us to get our freedom back. I just, you know, I think my great-granddad must have fought in the war. Um, nobody that was alive fought in the First World War that I remember. Yeah. Um, because, obviously, I'm far too young. Um, well. But my great-granddad and my great-great-granddad, obviously, they probably would have done. So, um, you know... I just think it's mass respect, really. But not now, not the First World War, but any wars that are going oh, on within the world. Yeah. I, 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 would, you, would you therefore say it's disrespectful not to do it? I suppose it's the way that people look at the world nowadays. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever have a peaceful world, but we just would like to look at the fact that we might do one day. Oh, you, you old you old head, you, you old hippie. I know, but, you know, when you've got children growing up, you, you want the best for them in the world, You'd like you know? to think it'll turn out all right. It's well, be- I think it's better than it was, the world, generally. Generally, oh, in certain parts, yeah. yes. Hey, Luanne, how old are your kids? Uh, 15 and 9. OK, do you let them play video games? Uh, occasionally. Because it says in the papers today, Oxford University says in the papers today, video games are good for children. It's good for them. 
my my son and my daughter have both learned an awful lot of stuff off particular games. I must agree. Yeah, like from so what from Call of Duty, where to place the C four and stuff. <laughs> No, more like how to make different things on Minecraft. <laughs> oh, flip. I've never played this Minecraft. It's very, very educational. Is it? It is, yeah. Oh, you sound like my mum. We bought a BBC Micro instead of a Spectrum because it was educational. Oh. That's not what a 13-year-old boy wants to hear. They were a bit pants, though, really, they were, they weren't were they? Bobbins. <laughs> Luanne, thank you very much indeed. Uh, kids have le- I do think you can learn stuff from video games. And uh, Actually, that to one side. Here's the thing. Mm. Video games is fun. They're yeah, fun. They are fun. You can learn stuff. They're not. Um, they're not. They're, you're not sat there on your own necessarily because you can link up with people all around the world, and they're fun. I've learned how to break into cars. Yeah. Um, I've learned how to get a, to have some naughties and get away without paying. That's a that's a high frequency joke. But the thing is, people say, "Oh, yeah, well, you know, video games is isolating, and it means people are on their own." Hang on a second. What would you rather they do? Sat in a corner and read a book. Where they're interacting with, what, nobody? Video games, they're interacting, they're creating, they're moving, they're doing things. There's their hand-eye coordination and they're probably talking to someone on their headset. A book, you sat in a corner. Oh, what have you learnt today? I've learnt how to turn a page and fold page over at top so I don't lose pace. That's what I've learnt. Ridiculous. I should say the study only says for an hour, not for three. OK, yeah, let's, let's not get carried, carried away with stats. <laughs> I'll say it now, video games is better than books. There we go. It's out there, 08459 555 555. Now, people living in the Hertfordshire village of Nebworth are fighting plans for a solar farm at the back of their homes. It's being proposed by Solstice Renewables on a 50-acre site. Well, we'll be speaking to uh, Giovanni Maruca, the uh, director of the company, Solstice Renewables, in a second. But before that, joined by Nick King, who is one of those people, and his home backs onto the site in question. Morning, Nick. Good morning. How will this affect your home? Um, well... Um, we have a fairly open view over the, uh, over the rural landscape here, and the proposed site um, backs immediately onto our garden. It's only about uh, 10 metres from the back of our house, the edge of it. But um, I wouldn't say that this was principally about myself and the, uh, the impact that it's going to have on me, um, because the, the local area is um, an unusual part of Hertfordshire, really. I mean, the, uh, the encroachment of the various towns here is growing. There's uh, housing developments in plans for Stevenage. And so you need more energy then? Well, in Hatfield area. Yes, we, uh, we certainly do need more energy, but there's uh, a right time and a right place for this. Where, where would you suggest the extra energy comes from? Well, uh, there's a new government policy that's come out which is suggesting that the uh, energy should be on medium-sized on-site commercial premises. So if there are going to be uh, solar farms like this one, they should be uh, as part of an industrial area. The roofs of industrial buildings and also uh, the roofs of uh, domestic properties. So is it's, it's, so would you have some on your roof, roof then? Um, yeah, potentially. I mean, the uh, solar panels on a roof, they don't look uh, particularly different from roof tiles or, or roof slates. So is it, all, is it all about... The the, the the view then, Nick, because um, no, well, you've no, just, you no. just said more people are coming in. We, we need more energy anyway. We're facing an energy crisis in the next 50 years. So yeah. I, I, I'm just wondering why... Well, it, it's, about, it's about the environment generally. Um, the rural countryside is shrinking. There's more houses being built. A lot of people use this area for local amenity, particularly at the weekends. There are 
loads of people um, streaming up the lanes from Stevenage. And but the lanes Edwards. will still be there, won't they? It's farmland. Well, people... Uh, well, it's not farmland. Right. Uh, I don't know if you if you if you quite know uh, what one of these solar parks looks like. They haven't really reached this part of the country yet, and I'm sure that Descri- a lot describe people, it to me. What does it look like? Uh, I'm sure a lot of people uh, wouldn't really know what a solar park was. Uh, well, for a start, um, instead of having a large agricultural field growing crops, uh, you have rows of solar collectors. So the entire yeah. field, in this case, this is 50 acres. Uh, which, if people are not sure what 50 acres means, that is a very large field. And it will be completely covered with... um, Giovanni will be able to give the number. I think it's over 40,000 solar collectors. Well, let's ask. Giovanni Maruca is the director of uh, Solstice Renewables, the company looking into this. How how many solar panels would there be, Giovanni? Um, Excuse me. There would approximately be 44,000 panels um, on, on the field. The footprint of a solar park, in terms of actual uh, equipment touching the field, is is, is less than about three percent of the entire uh, fifty acres. Um, the well, coverage of the field is about is about. Nick, hang on one second. Let Giovanni speak. Hang on, you can come back in. Don't worry. Okay. The the coverage of the park is about thirty uh, percent, meaning that there is generally about four to six meters between each of the arrays, which is quite a bit of space, which allows for a, a very good and strong program to uh, to increase the biodiversity of the of the field. So they're not entirely covering the uh, the field. Nick, what was the point you wanted to make? Um, well, the the entire area of the field is going to be covered in in rows of uh, of solar panels. I mean, there there are spaces in between the panels so that each each row does not cast a shadow on the next one. But, but Nick, you've, been, you, you, you can, you've said a couple of times that you're not worried about... Your, your complaint isn't the way it's going to look. But yet the point that keeps yeah, coming yes, up is yes, the yes, way my, it's going my, to look. My complaint is the way it's going to look. Right. Um, so just to continue um, what you asked me earlier, uh, these things stand eight feet high. Um, there are also buildings on the site for the electrical control equipment, which steps the voltage up to feed it into the national grid. Uh, those... Voltage rectifiers are noisy. There'll be an industrial process that needs to go on um, probably for months of the year to jet wash these things. OK, let's, let's let Giovanni come in. Giovanni, it's going to be noisy. A, a severe impact okay. on the local environment. Nick, it's going to be... Uh, Giovanni, sorry, it's going to be noisy, it's going to be ugly, it's going to ha- have a severe impact on the environment. Well, I, w- I wouldn't categorise them as noisy. I wouldn't think that's a fair uh, accusation or a claim. These... Solar parks have uh, a little bit of noise from the inverters. The inverters, once they are inside their housing unit, create noise at between 50 and 60 decibels. Uh, the 50 and 60 decibels, as a comparison to countryside noise, is a, countryside noise is about 33 decibels at at um, about 50 meters from the uh, inverters. The noise is completely attenuated and hides and is masked by the countryside noise itself. And none of the residents are within. The closest resident is 320 metres from the uh, from any of the equipment that makes the slum, which would be more than safe. And if it was ever an issue, it's not like these are the first solar parks built. There are 4.5 gigawatts of solar parks well, built. Let, let's, let's not throw too many more numbers in, because it's confusing me, and I'm sure it's confusing some of the listeners. Giovanni, <laughs> are, you, are you doing this just because the rules on subsidies, government subsidies on solar panels, are changing, and you're trying to get in there to get a few extra quid? Good point. Uh, no, not, not not at all, actually. I mean, the government has been changing these rules um, annually for the last four years. It's a very 
very common practice by the government that we're that we're all used to. Um, our, our site was chosen through a, a, a very stringent sequential testing process. One of the key points about this location is it's one of the last areas within uh, the UK Power Network's distribution for electricity where you can find a cost-effective grid connection. So I, I would say those are the bigger drivers. And the other big reason for for these sites is that we have a we have an energy security problem and we have a a, a global warming problem. So we're, we're we're doing these for for those reasons, not because of a change in in government. Nick, do you feel that the company have kept you well informed? Uh, no, of course they haven't. Um, there was a consultation in Nebworth a couple of weeks ago where a few people attended. But if you went out into Nebworth High Street now and asked ten people whether or not they knew this was, ha- this was happening. I'm sure none of them would say, what they, say that they did. It's very important that people should keep their eyes on the local press and the local radio, find out what's happening, attend council meetings, and when these plans go in, if they object to them, they should uh, send those objections into the council. They'll accept them by email because it's very important that numbers of people are involved in this. There is an element of local democracy here, and the more people who object and say what they think, the more likely it is that the council will make the right decision and consign these plans to somewhere where the sun doesn't shine. Giovanni, you've got 30 seconds to respond, sir. Well, I'm not sure those are fair accusations. I, I, again, I, I've met with, uh, with Nick myself. I've been in his home. Uh, we wrote to nearly 400 residents uh, to, to kickstart this process. We have put in press releases. We've had um, stories on the radio. We've had a consultation where we've met over 100 people. Uh, we've met uh, councillors during that time frame. We've offered to have uh, meetings and further consultation with the uh, local parishes. I've offered residents an opportunity to have professional landscapers come to their homes to take viewpoints that they're concerned about because one of the benefits of a solar park is that they're very easy to screen. So I'm, I'm no, 100% confident right. that we'll be able to screen many of the views, if not all the views, from the, from the local residents. Um, and I think we're, we've been doing a great job of consulting with the public, and we will okay. continue that process as part of uh, being a responsible developer. Gentlemen, we have to end it there. I know, Nick, you wanted to say more, and I'm sure that disagreement will continue. The last voice you heard there was Giovanni Maruca, who is the director of Solstice Renewables, and the other voice was Nick King. 08459 555555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel with James. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. Quite heavy in Milton Keynes. There's an accident on the Brinklow roundabout where, of course, Tongwell Street meets Standing Way. Police are there. The accident happened just under half an hour ago now, we've been told. A1 slow into London, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Usual congestion there. M1 slow southbound 10 to 9, Luton Airport down to Whipsnay and the M25. Well, anti-clockwise heavy 21 to 20. In fact, very slow, 21 to 20 to Kings Langley. Queuing then 18 to 16, Chorleywood down to the M40. James Worley, BBC Three Counters radio across beds hearts and bugs this is bbc three counties radio it's half past six
7, I'm Lee Acknew. The headlines, a doctor working at Bedford Hospital, having been struck off the medical, medical register twice, has handed back his MBE. Anjan Banerjee was awarded the MBE in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours List for his work in patient safety. People at Nebworth are fighting plans to have a solar farm built behind their homes. The application's been made by Solstice Renewables for a 50-acre site. And residents in Luton say a road that's been resurfaced in the town is worse than before the work started. Contractors tarmacked Gardenia Avenue and Norton Road on Friday morning, but didn't bother to tow away a car beforehand. The weather will be dry with sunny spells at first this morning, but cloudy with scattered showers this afternoon. Top temperatures around 23 degrees Celsius, 73 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rory McIlroy returned to the world number one spot, winning the World Golf Championships Invitational by two shots from Sergio Garcia. He sealed victory with four under par 66 in his final round, completing a 15 under par tournament. 25-year-old says he's feeling confident ahead of the US Open, which starts on Thursday. That's what I'm most proud of, is keeping that mindset of not letting myself fall into any sort of complacency, just to keep going and... uh, you know, just happy to win again and, and obviously very confident going into the, the PGA. The Commonwealth Games have come to a close with Geraint Thomas securing a fifth and final gold medal in the road racing. Thomas spoke afterwards about Peter Kenyuk from the Isle of Man, who led the race from the start only to be overtaken in the closing stages. It's unfortunate for him. I think he was hoping for a few people to go with him and, uh, yeah, so he was stuck out there on his own. And So, uh, yeah, that's it's, it's unfortunate for him, you know, but he'd kind of bought his ticket, so to speak, and... That was it, so... Britain's men's number one tennis player Andy Murray has confirmed that he wants Amelie Moresmo to remain as his coach for the foreseeable future. Murray says he's enjoyed working with Moresmo and reveals they made plans to keep working together following Wimbledon. And finally in cricket, Buckinghamshire side Dinton lost to Grace Chew in the semi-finals of the National Village Cup. BBC Three Counties News and Sport with more at 8 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! If you want to give us a call, now is an excellent time to do it. Let's have a little recap on some of the things what we done be talking about. So, there is a study out that says, you know them video games that are really bad for everyone and stuff? They're not actually that bad for you and stuff? If you play... This is Oxford University. This isn't like... Hang on, let me think of a relevant organisation that might be biased. Um... Electronic boutique? No, hang on. Game? No, hang on a second. Anyway, they basically said if you play, if kids play video games, maybe an hour or so, not too long, then it's good for them, and it is good for them. And also, the, the whole good for them or not? Do you know video games? They're fun. They're fun. Of course, if they, they should be playing roughly age-appropriate games, you know, but they're fun. All these people that say, ah, video games make you a loner and a psychopath and a deviant and a killer. No, 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 they don't. There was a story in the paper last week, I think probably the Mail, uh, linking Call of Duty, which is quite a violent video game for adults, with um, people going off to fight in Syria. Uh, what? How on earth have you drawn that conclusion? Because... The young men that went off to fight in Syria had played Call of Duty. Oh, it must have been. It must have been that then. It couldn't have been the fact that, I don't know, they ate cornflakes. Cornflakes linked to jihad in Syria. Maybe they um, watched EastEnders. EastEnders linked to jihad in Syria. No, it was the Call of Duty what done it. Really? Guys? 
Whenever some psycho kid runs around an American school shooting people. Ah, uh, he liked violent video games. Oh, that must be what did it then. In the 80s, it was, ah, uh, he liked violent music. Oh, that must be what did it then. Not the fact that maybe the kid that did it was psychologically damaged, was actually mentally unhinged. Video games are good for you. Fact. 08459 455 555. The other big story, it's on the front page of The Sun. Where have I put uh, The Sun? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, At the going down of the sun, remember them. David Cameron tonight leads Britain in a poignant lights-out tribute to the millions who died in World War I. The PM has ordered every light in 10 Downing Street turned off at 10pm and a single candle placed on the doorstep. So basically, what you're being asked to do, 10 o'clock, you turn off all your lights, maybe leave a lamp on or a candle if you still have them. Does anybody, anybody still got candles? We haven't got candles. We've got birthday candles. I'm not going to light a birthday candle at 10 o'clock. That would be weird. Is there, has anybody still got, can we just go off on this ever such a slight tangent, please? Have you got candles in your house and where on earth are they? And have you got them somewhere that you could find easily in a power cut? Now, in the 70s and the 80s, when there were power cuts like every 20 minutes, we all knew exactly where the candles were. We don't want any candles anymore. Who has has candles? I can turn my iPhone into a torch. It's got a new thing on it. You can turn it into a torch. I only found that the other day. It's brilliant. So why would anybody still use candles? Where is your candles? 08459 455 555 uh, is the telephone number. But also, with this World War I thing, and we'll be um, continuing uh, or restarting uh, our World, one, World War I series at about quarter past eight, um, will anybody be doing this? Is anybody going to be doing this at 10 o'clock, turning off the lights and lighting a candle? It's a nice idea... But I just wonder if people are actually going to do it. We've spoken to two people. A lady of an age, I think we can say politely, and um, uh, Luanne, who I suspect is older than her voice would imply. I think she's a little bit older. Oh three oh eight four five nine four double five five double five oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Yeah, it's a nice idea. Okay, and yeah, of course we should look back on World War One and remember from remember it. But but is anybody is anybody really connecting with it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Nick's on the line. Morning, Nick. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Um, uh, do you know what, Nick? I'm I'm all right. Th- I thought I was having a heart attack on uh, Friday. <laughs> no, I did. I, honestly, I thought I was having a heart attack. I was, um, I, I, I was, uh, went to bed, and suddenly I felt very nauseous, started sweating, and my old chest was going like bilio. But oh. luckily, I didn't. I'm alive and I'm well. That's Good that's stuff. that's a conversation killer. As long as it wasn't an Ian Lee killer, that's the main thing. Nick, what have you got for us? Um, yeah, um, an incident happened last night. It was um, oh. quite bizarre. It's uh, very unusual for the area. Yeah. Um, um, I live in Clifton, near, just outside of Shefford, yeah. and um, just about approximately 12.20 last night, um, uh, there was a vehicle coming up 
um, uh, the road called Newest Crescent, um, yeah. which is near a, a, a local Indian restaurant, and it was uh, apparently it was a Jeep Cherokee, and it was uh, it was speeding up the road. It was like yeah. a frenzied it was like a frenzied movement across the road, and apparently it hit oh, twelve or so cars. And I'm not exactly sure, but um, I just wondered if anybody else had uh, seen or heard. So of, there was a there was a Cherokee Jeep in a frenzy. Well, it was I, I don't know. It was waving over the road. It was hitting cars. Oh. It was um, it was it was very very unusual. Well, well it is yeah. unusual, and it's, it's done damage to these twelve cars. I'm assuming. Um, well, I've, I've my, personally myself, I've seen three cars that it's hit and done some you know bad damage to, but. Uh, uh, you know, there was lots of people in the street last night who said it had been hit, it hit in hit cars in other in other roads in the in other, the other road in the street as and well. And did they catch? Did they, they catch the the person that was driving it? No, the, the person was. It was very erratic, very fast moving, and uh, wow. just um, just uh, just drove drove off. Uh, Gosh. off so yeah, nothing was. No, they, I don't believe yet. Anyway, they've caught them. It's very possible because um, you know I, this happened last night, and I've only just sort of come to this morning. So, Dick, so. Tell, hang on, you've only just come to now? Well, no, I've just, I've been, I've been awake. It's 20 to 8, <laughs> mate. What are you doing? I've been up since 4. You're a good man. Uh, yeah, so, someone's <laughs> going to do this rubbish. Uh, so just tell us where it was again, Nick, because maybe somebody heard something or saw something. OK, uh, I, d- I do know it was in, um, the, what I heard was in Newest Crescent in Clifton, yep. um, which is one of the estates, and also there was um, it, something happened in Miles Drive, oh. which is uh, another road off Newest Crescent. Uh, cars were hit, it was tyre screeching, there was a lot of, lots of wave, wavy driving, it was, you know, it wasn't pleasant, it was uh, well, something, okay. something that I've never seen before, well, and I've lived here over ten years. Well, as long as no one was hurt, that's the main thing. If anybody knows anything about this, give us a call. Nick, you don't know anything about rabbits do you oh no not 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 recently anyway okay nick thank you very much he hesitated for a second there. Was he about to lie to me and pretend he did? 08459 555. The reason I mention rabbits, we have Benjamin Bunny, who lives with us and is a joy, an absolute joy. Uh, and last night, as I was trying to get him back into his hutch, which is not a joy, I have to p- play mind games with the rabbit to get him in the hutch, right, bedtime. I sort of chuck some food at the back of the hutch. And then I have to go back in and watch through a crack in the door. I can't stand outside... Because he won't go in to the hutch if I do that. I have to go in and, and he pretend, and I say, All right, Benj, I'm off now. See you later, mate. So he thinks I'm going completely. I go in the house, look through a crack in the door, and as soon as I see his, um, his backside, his little stubby tail, going into the hutch, I have to creep out quietly and shut the door and lock it. Anyway, his fur's gone all patchy. The fur isn't falling out. It's just kind of different colours. Does anybody know what this... Am, am I killing Benjamin Bunny? Is it worth taking... I have to take him to the vets, won't I? It'll cost a fortune, as those things always do. 08459 455 555. If we have any... uh, Basically, I'm trying to get some free veterinarian advice. And why is the word... Why do we use the word veterinarian and veteran? And they're two different things. So one's a war veteran and one's an animal veterinarian. It always confuses me when you talk about... Uh, when you watch American films, when I was a kid growing up and you watch American films and someone would say they are a Vietnam vet, mm. you think, what? I d- th- why would they be looking after animals in what was an horrific war zone? <laughs> why would they have a similar word? Homophones. Oh. Are you a homophone? No, I'm, I'm happy with all of those. Homophones are words that, um, do you know what they are? 
Are they words that s- get mistaken for other ones? They're words that are uh, that sound the same and but have different meanings. They're oh. often spelt differently. So two and two is uh, are homophones, or um, um, maybe they're the only ones. Uh, four and four. Four and four homophones, and, and four. Uh, bum and bum, no. Dumb and dumb, no. Anyway, so homophones. And there was a fella um, who... Th- th- there's, like, this sort of college in the United States that's a language college. And the fella who's in charge of the website, each week they put up a new kind of word. And he put up a thing about homophones. And, and he was discharged for promoting homosexuality. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Gay and gay. Yeah. Well... Hmm. Maybe not. Tony's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Tony. Good morning, Ian. You, you learn things on this show. Did you know what a homophone was? Uh, I thought it was, uh, wasn't was a stereophone. What? A stereophone? And that's a monophone, isn't it? Yes, Sorry. exactly. Tony, what have you called in about, sir? Uh, First World War commemorative yes? thing. Are you going to be doing it? Yes, for one particular reason. Go on. Because um, it's a little-known fact. You can type it in on the internet, but there's very scant information... When the First World War broke out and Germany overrun Belgium, the whole of Belgium came to Britain. In fact, me and hundreds of thousands like me are here because of having Belgian refugees in this country. Not not that the whole of Belgium didn't come to Britain. Literally, literally. Literally? Hang on a minute. The King and Queen, all of the, the Crown, all of the government... All of the structure, the civil service. Literally, the whole in World War One. You're yeah. saying literally the whole of Belgium came to Britain. Well, 150,000 Belgium. Uh, the estimation is between 225,000 and 265,000. That's official records. Gosh. But beyond that, it's, it's likely to have been 1.2 million. Flip it, flip it, heck. Yeah, my my grandfather was Belgian. Uh, he was from the Belgian Congo and. In 1916, uh, once Congo. Germany overrun that, they, they were called out from there, and he came to Britain. Wow. He was a civil servant, so he got a good job. Met my grandmother, who was a munitions worker. Beautiful. And um, love struck. Yeah. That was it. But you'll find there's very little information on it. Yeah. And I have been contacted by somebody at University College London who's writing... Uh, a paper on it. Oh. But again, we've tried to get TV programmes to include it in the First World War uh, commemorations. By 1917, you may have seen this, because Max Hastings has, has done a programme about this. Yeah. This country was on the brink of defeat. Yeah. Because we ran out of the ability to produce munitions. We, we had no more cordite. We had no more factory workers. And so the Belgian refugees... They managed to turn it around. Tony, I'm moving on just because I'm late for the, the travel and the weather. Thank you very much. You, you've got the Belgian story out there. All of Belgium came to Britain? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's an accident in Milton Keynes on Brinklow Roundabouts where Tongwell Street meets Standing Way. Police are still there. One lane's blocked on the roundabout causing queues. Quite busy on the A602. Speed centres picking up delays between Stevenage and Watner Stone. Delays in both directions, uh, our speed centres suggest. The M1, slow London-bound 10 to 9, approaching the Redbourne turn-off. Anti-clockwise M25, usual congestion 20 to 16. Now that's Kings Langley all the way around to the M40 and it's busy into London on the A1 as well as the M1 actually, fairly heavy at southbound towards Junction 2. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you very much. All of Britain was full of... No, hang on a second, hang on. All of Belgium came to Britain? 
Really? All of it? That's not... No. 7.47, it's Monday the 4th of August. I am Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford doctor who was struck off in 2002 is handing back his MBE. People in Nebworth are unhappy about a solar farm that could be built near their homes. And it's exactly a century since the start of the First World War. Let's get the weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello there, plenty of sunny spells around today. A few isolated showers though this afternoon. Not all of us will see them, but there could be some heavy ones. Temperatures up to about 22 or 3 degrees Celsius. And tonight a largely dry night with clear spells. A little cool, so quite comfortable again, with lows of 12 degrees. And tomorrow after a bright start, it does cloud over somewhat. However, we should still see some sunshine with highs of 22 or 3 degrees Celsius. And Wednesday we have a band of rather heavy showers pushing through from much of the day. Thursday, though, we have sunny spells and isolated showers again, returning to heavy rain on Friday. That's your latest forecast. Nick Coffer, across beds, hearts and bucks. I'm at Bletchley Park today for a very, very important special occasion. For me, being out of the studio is about putting faces to names and bringing to life all that's brilliant about beds, hearts and bucks. If you know the high street here and you've never seen what goes on behind, you really should because it's like a whole new world. Nick Coffer. I think for my listeners, they get a chance to hear about places they may never have visited. In fact, they may never have heard of. And also, they hear the stories from the people that bring those places to life. That is one of the mysteries of Abbott's Langley Fire Brigade. Nick Coffer, across beds, hearts and bucks, on BBC Three Counties Radio. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Residents in Luton say a road that's been resurfaced in the town is worse now than it was before the work started. Contractors were in such a rush to complete the work on Gardenia Avenue and Norton Road on Friday that they tarmacked around a car rather than towing it away. Well, has there been any improvement over the weekend? Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been back to Gardenia Avenue this morning. Justin, we've seen the pictures on mm. Facebook. Yeah. It looks rather shonky. Yeah. Uh, and there's a car parked there. When uh, I thought procedure in those situations was the car should have been towed away. Absolutely. So you've got this uh, uh, resurfacing work which, which has taken place, and, you know, it's quite unusual for a car to be parked up uh, when that's happening. They've just gone round the car. Uh, it looks absolutely incredible. Very shonky. But so, yeah, people saying to us that well, what was the point? I've been talking to uh, Giovanni Vitali a few moments ago. Um, he claims now that his road is absolutely ugly. It's disgusting to look at. Um, so here's what happened when I spoke to Giovanni. Well, Giovanni, we're, we're standing on Gardenia Avenue. Um, it looks a bit of a mess. Has anything changed at all since Friday? Uh, no, not at all. Um, the, the work crews haven't returned. Um, this is, as, as I understand it, the, the finished surface. When you see that surface outside, your property. Uh, what's your initial thoughts? It, it doesn't look great. Uh, it must be said. Um, the the, uh, the the rainwater seems to pool on top of the on top of the surface. Um, I'm not even entirely sure why they did it in the first place. Mm. There weren't any potholes. There were no no cracks or, or or loose parts of the road in the first place. So, so they've completely messed up a road that was, that was perfectly fine. Yes, oh, c- wow. completely. Incredible. So, on Saturday, you mentioned rain. It rained quite heavily on Saturday, certainly um, Saturday afternoon. What happens here when it rained? Um, so, the water was just pooled on the top of the road in, in, in quite quite big puddles that were just sitting there on top of the road, not running off. Um, it's just where the surface is so uneven. 
uh, and there were just big dips in uh, in, in it everywhere that, that the uh, the water was just sitting in. The surface is uneven. Um, you can see where where um, where some lorries have gone have gone down the road and they've left permanent grooves in the road in the surface. And that right. car as well, the, which wasn't removed when these roadworks were taking place, that massive hole in the road is still there. It, it is still there. The car, the car has since moved, but the, um, the, they haven't returned to, to fill in the, in the surface. So there's just a, a, a three-metre gap where, where there was a car. So it, you can just see it just gonna, it's just going to lift up. Uh, where, the, where, they've, where they've not finished off the surface. You're ultimately paying for this because you're a local council taxpayer. Luton Borough Council, somebody's not going to come on the programme from the council this morning. What would you like to say to them? I'd just like to ask them why they've done it. Um, there, was, there was nothing wrong with the road. Uh, I've seen other roads around, around uh, Luton that have got the same signs up saying the same work is going on. And those roads are perfectly fine as well. So I just, I, 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 I'm just baffled as to why they'd want to spend the money on on roads that were fine when there are other roads that are in, in very poor condition that um, that could do with the work. I'm sure that you're being told, like us, that, that every council, Lucenborough Council, saying the same to us, that we haven't got that much money, we're having to, to save money, and you just think this is a, a complete... And that's a waste of money, clearly. Very much so. And, and the, um, the, the work crew that were doing the work... Uh, on on Friday were, um, were were quite open and honest around uh, around the work they were doing and they said that they were they weren't given very much time and they weren't and the um, the the quality of the of the materials that they were provided weren't weren't uh, fit for the fit, fit for the job and, and they told you that th- yes they, they they told us that they were um, they were they were quite open and honest um, talking about the work they were doing um, and um, you, you just have to ask why are you doing it in the first place then. Again, we should go back to the council and put these points to them. Thank you very much indeed. Hopefully this, uh, this road will start to look better at some point in the near future. Uh, hopefully so. Maybe it'll take a few weeks to settle in, but at the moment it just looks awful. No, roads don't, roads don't settle in. Bless no. him. He's put, that's the second Giovanni we've had on the show today. <laughs> Can we make it a hat-trick before 8 o'clock? Uh, yeah. roads, roads don't settle. Roads, roads is roads is roads. Absolutely. I mean, the council say to us that they're having to find cheaper ways to resurface the yeah. town's roads due to severe budget cuts. Well, well, we'll listen to your punters then, because these people are saying that, that these roads don't need resurfacing. So, so why are you spending that money? Giovanni says there, many other local roads in the area, they're going to have the same treatment he believes, so I think we, we need to, to get somebody from the council on forget the statement, somebody come on the programme to explain to us how much this is costing, uh, and as the locals are saying, why are you doing this in the first place? Here's the thing that my old mum never used to say, but someone's mum would have said it, buy cheap, buy twice Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously, yeah, you, absolutely you, you try and cut corners, it, and, and, and I, this is a lesson I still struggle with you try and cut corners to save a few quid, you end up having to do it all over again uh, uh, do you know what, boss? What was I saying to you two or three weeks ago? I wasn't I said, you listening. Know oh, well, okay. Sh- shall I repeat it? Uh, I mean, I won't listen now, uh, but well, someone I'm, might. I'm someone just, might. Just on. talking about shirts. You know I was saying? Oh, yeah. If you go and buy a decent shirt for, what, £60 or so? What? Um, yeah. I couldn't that, 60 quid on a shirt? That will last you probably, if you treat it well, a good 10 years. What? You can go and buy three cheap shirts for 60 quid, the same price, and within a year, you'll have to throw them away. We've had a real glimpse into um, your, your world. Justin, in the next mm. hour... Yes. World War One, mm. 100 years today, where people are being asked to turn off their lights and light a candle. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's a cracking idea. I just wonder how many people will actually be doing it. It's a lovely idea on paper, isn't it? I have spoken to a couple of people about this already this morning in Luton, yep. and they were saying to me, no, I, mm. I won't be doing it. I mean, the people I spoke to didn't even know about this oh. in the first place. So this evening, they won't be turning out their lights. They won't be lighting a candle. Um, I'm not convinced I'll find anybody this morning who will be doing that tonight. I could be wrong. 
Justin, th- we'll speak a little bit later on about that. Thank you very much indeed. I've just noticed that the Sun have um, done some spoof... Maybe it's been taken out already. They've done some spoof covers of the Sun. Who do you think you're kidding, Mr Kaiser? Dread Zeppelin. Oh, guff. Lisa's from Caldecott. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. You can help with, with rabbits, can you? Yes, I should imagine he's just molting. Oh. I've got two. Um, I've got an English giant lops and a rex. A rex? And uh, my English giant, the little girl, she likes being groomed by Biscuit, the little boy, but he, she doesn't groom him back, so he's all patchy and looks oh. all funny. And well, I gave, I gave Benji a good brush last night. He sat still long enough for me to brush him. Oh, you're lucky. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, but it, it, it's still kind of... It, there's different colours and different textures. Well, no, the textures. It's just different colours. It yeah, doesn't look like no, any hair's falling out. No, you, you probably won't see it because rabbit hair is so fine that oh. it just sort of drifts away. Or the only other option is he might have a little bit of a mite, but because he's not going bald as such, I yeah. just say, reckon he's just molting. Should I take wreck. him to the vets for a little check-up? It might be worth just popping in there to make sure he is all all right. But okay. I would just say, I'd probably say he's just molting. They're weird pets, rabbits. They are. When, ben- when Benji passes, I don't, yeah. think, I don't think I'm going to get another rabbit. They're hard work for very little reward. Whereas cats, you put in a lot of effort and you get a lot back. Dogs, you know, oh. I imagine the same. But rabbits, you put in all this effort, you don't get much back. No, they are they are they are good fun. I, my one's um, to, to digging up the garden at the moment. Yeah. My big, my large English lot. Oh yeah, so. Benji's dug, Benji's dug a trench underneath his hutch. Little so and so. Lisa, yeah. I appreciate your help. That's put my mind at ease. Thank you. Earlier on in the show, we spoke to Nick, who told us about a Cherokee Jeep last night, twenty past twelve. That had uh, um, well, it hit several vehicles. Well, Paul Scoynes has uh, been speaking to the old Bill, <laughs> the yeah. police authorities. The, what, what's we, going on? We've spoken to Bed's police, and they confirmed that there was indeed an incident in Clifton in uh, Bedfordshire last night. Gold. Um, they say that uh, the investigation, Ian, is ongoing. It was flagged as one to possibly generate media interest. Um, they have a co- recovered a vehicle, didn't confirm what it was. Um, up to nine vehicles have been hit and damaged in this one village. Gosh. Um, there have been no arrests so far. So they've got the car that uh, okay. they feel has done this. Yes. They say there are nine vehicles which have been hit and damaged, and obviously they were appealing for any witnesses that uh, saw this. The police are appealing. They certainly are. Alice is here. Morning, Alice. Morning. I've oh, not spoken to you all morning. You're right. I'm good. You're right. Yeah, fine. Thanks. Good. Your microphone's a bit buzzy. Is it? Yeah. Can you give it a wallop? So much better. Yeah, thanks very much for that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. World War One, video games. It turns out you should be letting your children play video games, guys. It's good for them. Huh? All these people saying, oh, no, it's not, it's horrible, and it makes them bad, violent people. No! Turns out it's good for them. Give us a call, let's have a chat about that. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Usual delays on the M1 this morning, 10 down to 9, that's Luton to Redbourne's heavy, slow into London, passing Edgware on the key, uh, the, sa- the cameras and sensors, and the anti-clockwise M25, that's slow down towards the M40. A602 east of Stevenage, very slow in both directions uh, for some reason, uh, between Stevenage and Watton at Stone, and on the trains... Uh, Delays possible on Virgin Services because of a train that's broken down north of Birmingham. James Wally, BBC, Three Counters Radio. James, thank you very much. 
So a couple of things to whet your appetite. And why is it whet? What does whet mean? It's whet, not wet. That's weird, isn't it? I don't know what whet means. Anyway, we're going to whet your appetite. Video games, it turns out, are good for you. Sing hosannas at last. Someone has spotted the truth. And will you be lighting a candle tonight to commemorate World War One? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, I'm Lee Agnew. The headlines, Bedford doctor returned his MBE, a candlelit memorial to remember the First World War, and people in Nebworth say they don't want a solar farm. BBC Three Counties Radio. A doctor working at Bedford Hospital, having been struck off the medical register twice, has handed back his MBE. Anjan Banerjee was awarded the MBE in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours List for his work in patient safety. Dr Peter Wilmshurst, who reported him to the general General Medical Council says it raises questions about who's allowed to practice. Some people would say that they would not personally be happy to be treated by Dr Banerjee. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know how his skills have improved since the GMC's hearings and his conduct has improved, but he has been removed from the medical register on two occasions. It's exactly 100 years since the start of the First World War. At 10 o'clock tonight, people are asked to turn off lights and leave a single candle burning for a shared moment of reflection. Dr Stephen Clark is from the Royal British Legion, who want the public to take part. It's really the first opportunity for the whole nation to participate in terms of, at some stage, to reflect on what it means for our history and our our identity. And it's really about your personal connection to the First World War and uh, about the cost of that war. Four men are due to go on trial today, accused of murdering a teenager in Bedford. 19-year-old Isaac Stone was fatally stabbed in January. Jane Killick reports. Isaac Stone, a rapper who was also known as Dynamic, was stabbed in Costin Street on the 25th of January. 19-year-old Fahim Khan from Fenlake Road, 21-year-old Mohammed Hussein from Maitland Road and 20-year-old Javid Mir and 18-year-old Rubel Mir, who both come from Costin Street, were all arrested following his death. They're due to stand trial at Luton Crown Court, charged with murder, attempted murder and possession of an offensive weapon. People in Nebworth are fighting plans to have a 50-acre solar farm built behind their homes. It's one of five solar farms planned across North Hertfordshire. Nick King, who lives nearby, says putting solar panels in fields is the wrong decision. There's a new government policy that's come out which is suggesting that the energy should be on medium-sized, on-site commercial premises. So if there are going to be uh, solar farms like this one, they should be uh, as part of an industrial area, the roofs of industrial buildings, and also uh, the roofs of uh, domestic properties. Residents in Luton say a road that's been resurfaced in the town is worse than before the work started. Contractors tarmacked around a parked car when they began work on Gardenia Avenue and Norton Road on Friday morning. In sports, the Commonwealth Games has come to an end with England at the top of the medals table. And in golf, Rory McIlroy has won the World Golf Championships Invitational in America. The weather will be dry with sunny spells at first this morning, but cloudy with scattered showers this afternoon. Top temperatures around 23 
degrees Celsius at 73 degrees Fahrenheit. You can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Homely, friendly... Oh, it's got everything you want. It's all about where you live. It's just a lovely place to live. Everybody's friendly. And all this week, we're featuring Amptill and Flittick. Flittick is a good community, small town, with everything you need there, from a supermarket to a swimming pool. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, it's four minutes past eight. That'll do. That'll do. I just went out for, um, for, um, for, well, it was a wee. Say, ow. So I went to the toilet, but I managed to walk past the window that, that let me see outside. And what did I see? I saw Justin Dealey working his Vox magic. He was chasing, no, he wasn't having a growler. He was chasing a reluctant woman up the street, microphone in hand. forward to hearing that audio later on. Coming up in the next hour of the show, we'll be talking about uh, doctors being given MBEs when they've been struck off. Say they, it's only one. World War One. Well, we'll be playing something in regards to World War One, but will you be commemorating it this evening at 10 o'clock? You're being asked to turn your lights off and light a candle. Well, it's a nice idea. Is anybody actually going to do it? Oh, oh, oh. And listen to this headline from the Daily Telegraph. Video games make children happier, more sociable and less hyperactive. Where's this come from? The, the, the... Hang on, hang on. Oh, yeah. The Games Master. Got there in the end. Took an hour. No, it's come from Oxford University. Oh. So it's like proper and stuff. 459 455 555 Across beds, hearts and bucks This is BBC Three Counties Radio On the subject of video games it's Stephen from Milton Keynes Morning Steve Morning Ian, how are you yeah, sir? I'm good thank you, what would you like to say? Well Ian, when I'm not busy being a top international design consultant and designing life-saving liver transplant equipment, yeah. there's nothing I like to do more than relax with a game of Titanfall. <laughs> now, for those who don't know, maybe you've not heard Steve before. Steve is part of a team, right? Steve is a proper boffin. He's part of a team that basically means instead of when you have a liver transplanted from one area to another, instead of it sitting on ice, well, your machine keeps it alive, doesn't it? That's it. That's one of the that's one of the products we've designed at my company. So, so you're uh, proper yes, brainy. What what what's this game you like playing? Uh, Titanfall. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I'm not. I'm not familiar with this one. I, do you know? I'm, I've been out of touch with games for a few months now because of the kids. I'm not familiar with this one. But, but you used to. You're responsible for thumb bandits. I thought you sort of had your finger on the pulse on this my, stuff. My finger is, is um, slightly off the pulse. I can see the pulse, but very very rarely do I get to touch the pulse. Oh, how old are your kids now? Four and two, and I'm not allowed to let them know that video games exist, despite video games okay. paying for a certain, you know, proportion of my house. Right. But, okay. but, they, well, but you're, you're intelligent, chap. You're, you, you know, you have achieved things in your life. Uh, and uh, do you get annoyed when you hear all this guff about video games being dangerous and violent and they encourage violence? I think you made a really good point earlier when you were sort of discussing about the jihadists having played video games. A lot of people mistake 
correlation for causation. I think you made the point very elegantly that you could just as easily put their uh, violent tendencies down to uh, eating cornflakes or watching East. Well, actually, watching EastEnders does make me rather violent. Yeah, that that, but, that was uh, a particularly good example. The EastEnders one, yeah. But no, I, I mean, I sort of. I mean, my brother had a bit of phone console when I was very young, but for me, my sort of a video game ownership started with the Sega Mega Drive oh, baby. and then went through Sega Saturn, PlayStation, uh, Dreamcast, which was a fantastic console, Xbox, Xbox 360, and now I'm still a fairly dedicated PC gamer. Yeah, I know, you see, PC games, you've lost me a bit. But well, listen, don't get me started on the Dreamcast, Steve. Don't get me started on the Dreamcast. One of the, one of the greatest consoles ever made and was destroyed by Sony and their lies about the PlayStation. Steve, thank you very much indeed. Allow me a little bit of geekiness every now and then, for goodness sakes. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Video games are good for you. That's now officially a fact. Now, a doctor working at Bedford Hospital, having twice been struck off the medical register, has handed his MBE back, citing media pressure. Anjan Kumar Banerjee was awarded the MBE in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours List for his work in patient safety. Well, Graham Smith is from the organisation Republic, which wants the honours system replaced. Morning to you, Graham. Morning, Ian. Why do you uh, want the honours system replaced? Well, the whole system is, is I mean, you know, I don't think it's putting too uh, fine a point on it to say that it's corrupt. I mean, it's, it's basically, I mean, there's a whole load of people um, at the sort of community level who are deserving of some kind of recognition, and they get given the lowest honours. But right above all of that, it's a lot of civil servants and um, party donors and friends of the party leaders and... Uh, you know, business people and all these other people, plus another layer of celebrities who just get given gongs to kind of, you know, add a bit of colour and flavour. Um, and I just don't think that it, it that the whole honour system has no value anymore. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, and so when someone says, well, you know, a doctor's been given an MBE and then a doctor's given it back. It doesn't really make any difference. It, doesn't, it has no value in the first place. Did, did, did we, I, I, maybe we'll get onto the celebrities in a bit because that does leave me scratching my head. It seems in this case that the, the wrong Dr. Banerjee was awarded the MBE. The, there was another doctor of the same name. The MBE went to the wrong person. That doesn't really say much about the awarding process, does it? Well, no. And I, I, in fact, the, um, you know, the MPs looked into the, the process uh, a couple of years ago, and I gave evidence to, uh, to that committee at the time, and they were saying that the, the whole process is um, not only shrouded in secrecy, but, you know, rather... Um, uh, failing to actually reflect, um, you know, people's sort of desire to award people in the community. So people in the community were saying, well, we don't really get much of a say in what's going on. So I think there's a huge disconnection between the people in London who are kind of, you know, sifting through all the awards who don't know these people. They're just reading, you know, what they what they send. Um, and I think that they have a they have a quota. They've got about a thousand awards each year that they want to give away, and then they just try and find fill that quota. And mm. that's a bit of a that's going about it completely the wrong way. If people are identified as having done something exceptional, then they should be given an award. And if there's only ten people that have been identified, then that's fine. Give them to ten people, and then that that increases the value. You know, as, as with anything in life, if you if you start flooding the market, then the value goes down. And at the moment, we just throw thousands of them out. Um, uh, people do have a say, don't they? Though? Because you, you, I could nominate someone. People can, members of the public can nominate people, can't they? 
Yes, certainly. But I mean, that, those are the minority, and those also generally the, the ones that get the, the lowest awards. The knighthoods go to, um, you know, the, the, the grandees and the, the, the Tory party donors, the Labour party donors, and the, the business people, and the, you know, the people that have given money to the English National Opera and all this kind of thing. Um, and they also go to senior civil servants. A lot of people get the, the most senior honours simply for doing their job. Mm. Um, whereas people that yeah. genuinely work hard. Um, you know, often voluntarily doing good things for their community, get the lowest um, honours. But it's, it's the, one of the examples that came up when I was talking to MPs was someone who gave money to the Tory Party and also gave money to the English National Opera. Uh. Um, so you're effectively, now he's a you, you can he gave buy a little them. bit of money for his. You know, it's a lot of money for us. It's not like a million pounds or something. Yeah. Um, now for him, that's not a lot of money. Now, if someone else, um, just a regular person in the street, gave fifty pounds to a charity, they wouldn't get an honour. Um, so you know, it's it's a huge disconnection between. Yeah. Um, ordinary people's uh, expectations and, and what actually happens with the honour system. You talk about people getting awards for doing their jobs. The one that really struck me as odd was um, Sir Bradley Wiggins. He he won a bike race, yeah. and he so within within moments he he gets knighted. What's that all about? Well, I tend to agree. I mean, I think that you know we've had a really fantastic couple of years in sport, and you know, with the Olympics and the um, the Commonwealth Games and a whole load of other, um, you know, Wimbledon and uh, Andy Murray and so on. Um, but they, you know, they they work hard and they win awards in their sport. Yeah, he, he won the Tour de France. Again. That's a yeah. great award. Yeah, absolutely. And getting a gold in the Olympics is far more um, yeah. prestigious than getting a, a gong from from some anonymous committee in London and. I just think that it's become a little bit farcical, where now we all, almost automatically expect anyone who wins a medal in sport to then be given a gong. And that, again, just devalues the whole, uh, the I, whole thing. I also don't get... I, I can understand some celebrities, maybe someone like Paul McCartney getting something, because he has, you know, he has generated lots of money for the country and he's, he's, he's been an ambassador. But people like Bruce Forsyth and other TV people, they do really well. They get pay- paid really well. They have really cushy jobs. They've got mm. the celebrity and all that comes with it. So for them to get honours has always struck me as very odd, very peculiar, when there are, you know, there are, there are people out there helping dying babies and, yeah. and, and, and far more important things. Well, I agree. And I, 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 don't, I mean, I don't agree with Paul McCartney getting you don't? Um, okay. a gong either, because he's generated an awful lot of money for himself as well. He's, he's simply done something which he loves doing, yep. which is great. Good luck to him. Um, and, you know, he... What, I think the honours really ought to be limited, really restricted to those who have really gone above and beyond, um, you know, normal expectations of, you know, what you do in society. Whether I mean, obviously, there's another category for, for bravery. Um, uh, you get that in the armed forces. Uh, you, there's also similar awards in, um, in civilian life. But, it, but beyond that, then those people that really go above and beyond, um, you know, the normal sort of standards of, of uh, community um uh, you know, contributing to the community should uh, mm. get something, but but it really has to be exceptional. And doing something which you love and doing something which you're earning money for should yeah. not then give you um, a gong. And no celebrity should get it. I don't think any journalist should be should be allowed to get it because I think it's a way in which um, MPs, uh, politicians can then start to um, mould public opinion and and you know they offer yeah. them up. And this is this is why I said it's corrupt because they offer they offer up gongs or the promise of gongs. Um, in order to get um, uh, Graham, you know, but be honest, or, or, or loyalty, or whatever. Be honest, though. If you got a letter saying you were going to get an MBE, you would think twice. You would think about it, wouldn't you? 
I, I, well, if I got one, yeah, you would you would <laughs> I, think I would, about I'd be it. I'm not surprised if I got one, but I I I think the I mean my personal reaction would be to send her straight back. No, come on, your well, your I don't know if your mum is still with you, but your family there'll be people that would be so proud of you if you'd got one. You'd consider it, wouldn't you? I, I think a lot of people would. Bear in mind that I, for a living, I campaigned to get rid of the monarchy and <laughs> and the honour system. So I think that it's most people unlikely. I know um, would yes. be somewhat surprised yeah. and appalled if I even thought about accepting one, and right. I wouldn't want one. If I did something exceptional beyond my job, yeah. um, and I was awarded something, you know, let's say for example, I you know, jumped in front of a train to save a child, for example, and I was yeah. given an award for bravery, then uh, the fine. But I mean, I haven't done that, and I don't think that someone should be given an award simply for doing what they're paid for. Graham, fascinating. So really nice talking to you. Thank you, Graham Smith from the organisation Republic. Well, what do you think about that? We, and we can talk about this, Doctor. We can also talk about um, the, the honours system in uh, in a wider detail. What do you think? Should we need to rethink it? I disagree slightly on Paul McCartney. Uh, but I can understand Graham's point. But Bradley... Well, let's start with Bradley Wiggins. Bra- Should we start with Bradley Wiggins, Paul? Uh, always with the Bradley Wiggins. Your, well, your hero, I believe. Yeah. Bradley Wiggins... Let's start with this point and we'll, we'll work forwards. Or backwards. Bradley Wiggins should not have been knighted for doing well in a cycling race. First uh, Brit to ever win the Tour de France. Okay. It's quite an achievement. Yeah, his achievement was winning the Tour de France. But he, he arguably got a... the hardest sporting event in the world. He... Oh, goodness sake. The Tour de France, the hardest cycling Can... event in oh, the... Right, think of a harder one. Did you say sporting or cycling? Sporting event. Oh, mate, get out of it! Have you ever, have you ever tried to throw a dart accurately when you've got a thousand screaming j- drunk people shouting at you? Yeah, exactly. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, on the M1, delays on the southbound carriageway towards Luton uh, at Junction 10. Congestion from uh, Toddington Services on the sensors. And then into London is slow moving towards Junction 2. The left lane is closed just before the exit slip road at Five Ways Corner. Queues from Gateway Services. M25, anti-clockwise 20 to 16. Really slow this morning. Kings Langley all the way around to the M40. A602, we've found out the reason for the delays between Stevenage and Watton Stone. It looks like there are roadworks with temporary traffic lights that are in place until the end of Wednesday uh, near to uh, Hook's Cross. And if you're heading onto the A1, well, into London, very heavy from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Usual congestion there. On the trains, Virgin say possible delays up towards the northwest because of a train that's broken down between Wolverhampton and Birmingham New Street. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you very much indeed. I've just sent uh, Jonathan Vernon Smith away with a flea in his ear. We're doing World War One in a minute, and so I, I've asked JVS to come back at half past. I hope, I hope he doesn't mind, and I hope you don't mind, dear listener. We'll, we'll speak to Jonathan just after half past eight. Right now, though, it's 8.18. It's Monday, the 4th of August. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford doctor who was struck off in 2002 is handing back his MBE. Developers of a solar farm at Nebworth have refuted claims it will be too noisy. And a candlelit vigil is being held this evening to mark a century since the First World War. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Good wide age range of people. It's up and coming, it's up and coming. There's lots of new developments going on. All this week we're featuring Amptill and Flittig. It's a small town so you can come here and do all your shopping. Only friendly, 
Or it's got everything you want. Inviting everyone to where you live. I would say it's it's a very vibrant place. There's lots of facilities here. It's just a lovely place to live. Everybody's friendly. If you've got a story everyone should hear about, let us tell them about it. Hampton is a fantastic Georgian town. Flitwick is a good community, small town with everything you need there, from a supermarket to a swimming pool. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks from BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a hundred years ago today, Britain declared war on Germany. If you want to give us a call about um, the campaign to uh, have a candle lit in your window, will you be taking part, yay or nay? 08459 455 555. The war finally ended on November the 11th, 1918, with more than 9 million dead. In, in the intervening years, everything changed. Recently, some old police records were found in Bishop Stortford, which shine a light on how the war altered policing on the home front. Well, BBC Three Counties' Tara Gungafall went to Bishop Stortford Museum to find out more. In 1996, I think it was, they were redeveloping the police station. The builders found this pile of old records. They didn't know what to do with them, so they went to the police station. I'm Sarah Turner, I'm curator at Bishop Stortford Museum. What you see within the records is the war at home in microcosm through the eyes of those policemen and what they're actually doing. Inspector O'Connor's journal from 1915 is very detailed. The 11th of February... Received report of attempted suicide of a private from the Beds Regiment of Bartholomew Road by shooting himself with a rifle. Removed him to hospital. And that, that's all there is in there. But a few days later, he goes to the hospital to check up on him. I'm Andy Bliss, Chief Constable of Hertfordshire. As police officers now and then, you can't cut yourself completely emotionally from what you deal with. And I suspect that very much is the human side of... Uh, the inspector having dealt with another human being in absolute meltdown, actually showing humanity and going seeing him in hospital to see if he was okay and perhaps say a few nice words to him. That's often what we do. There's more detail at the petty sessions. You find that he was in the dock with his left arm in bandages. Um, he was a private, was in the firing line for two, about two months before returning on sick leave. His wife describes how he was behaving. So he seemed very ill, couldn't get much sleep, had nightmares, could not sleep as he afraid, was afraid that something would happen. He used to get out of bed and walk about. During the day he was OK if she was with him and he was about to go back to the front. And there's Inspector O'Connor, who obviously moved after that point to a different station, giving full description, and it goes on. And then... He said to his wife, you think you'll be able to keep an eye on your husband now he's getting stronger and everything is, and see that everything is all right? And she said yes. And I think that's really interesting because if you think about how hard people were at the front on people who tried to shoot themselves to get out of battle, compare it to that. I find that fascinating. Plainclothes duty in Bishop Stortford Town re-complaints received of stolen fruit. The newspaper report on serious cases, but two boys stealing gooseberries from somebody's garden, they don't report on. But actually, for me, that's equally important because scrumping becomes something that is quite a serious offence in many ways at a time in 1917 when rationing is in place, which explains why a policeman spends six days sitting outside a chicken coop to catch a dog who's killing chickens. Almost 100 years old, absolutely fantastic. Pocket notebook entries... Uh, very much something I'm familiar with from when I was a young young PC. 
Well, if you'd like to find out more about the role that local people and places played during the First World War, you can visit the BBC's World War One at homepage. Click on bbc.co.uk slash WW1, the number one. Uh, you'll also be able to see and hear how World War One changed life in beds, huts and bucks. Uh, and tomorrow we'll hear about the role that Cardington Sheds near Bedford played during World War One. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ruth, it's Master Morning, Ruth. Good morning, how are you? I'm all right, thank you, Ruth. What have you got for us? I haven't phoned for a long time with anybody, actually, because we're living with son at the moment. Um, Well, we're in the middle of moving. Oh, okay. We haven't found anywhere yet. Oh, (laughs) so how long? You're you're living with your son? Yeah, well, we were fed up with it, so we just sold the, you know, sold the Oh, I bet bet he loved that, didn't he? Well, we're living next door to where we lived before, actually. He's on his own with son, and um, so I'm looking, you know, I'm looking after children. How long have you been living with son? Um, About three weeks at the moment. Oh, okay. Has he gone mental yet? No, no, oh. but his, um, he has his, um, his girlfriend moving in in a couple of weeks, so oh. we should hope to be departing soon. Have you found anywhere? We have, yeah, I've got a few questions tomorrow, but okay. we're going, we're, they're making the most of it while we're here. Oh, well, they, so, they, so they're getting free babysitting? Well, they, yeah, they've had it for a long time, but oh. we're moving down to the Isle of Wight. Oh, blimey. See, we're going to be a bit more difficult. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, Ruth, I, I feel we've had a nice little round robin there, Ruth. Yeah, I have, yeah. I'm Luanne's mum anyway. Oh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, she she is older than she sounds. Yeah. Equally, you know, uh, I feel about 90 when I talk to her. I imagine she's about 59. No. No? No. 48? No. 46? No, keep going down. Four, she's no younger than 43. No, she is. She's 42. Oh, okay. So she's, she's older than me. That's all that no, counts. No, she's not. I'm not going to tell you how old she is. Oh, okay. Well, you're, <laughs> well, well done. Ruth, you've called in, you're not called in to um, uh, embarrass your family, although you've no, done I that haven't. very successfully. Well done. No. This World War One thing tonight, are you doing it? Yes, I am. Why? Because I think, um, as a mark of respect, it's one thing a lot of people don't have nowadays, or kids don't have installed in them, is respect. And I think if everybody, you know, from the day they were born, was, you know, was taught... I don't believe in this beating them up and things like that, but they're taught respect, pleases, thank yous, and to respect yourself and your elders. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't for them, who knows where we would be now? I, I look at some of the documentaries. I mean, and some of them were 16 years old. And oh, it was kids. They were kids. Yeah. And they went out there and they did it willingly for their country the same as many of them still do, um, and I really don't think that any of them get the respect they actually deserve, and I don't think anybody realises. I think part of the thing with World War One, there are two things. It was 100 years ago, so I would imagine that, that uh, I, I certainly find, as a 41-year-old, I find it difficult to connect with it, and I, and I do try. I don't brush it off dismissively, but I struggle to connect with it in as, in as much in, in, in the same way that I connect with World War Two because my grandparents were involved in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also... You say nine million people died. It's just such a huge figure. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to uh, personalise it and 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 imagine the faces and the names, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I've got my, one of my my favourite aunt, actually, the elderly one. She was one hundred and two when she died. Her first husband died in it. Um, and his name's on the memorial lamp till. There you go. Then. Um, and you do you sort of look at it, and then you know, having fr- family and friends that have been involved in the wars, the Holocaust, and everything, you know, it brings for me, it brings it closer to home. Now, Ruth, you're just going off on a slight tangent. You make, you mentioned respect, and I know that you've not done a particularly good job bringing up Luann because she's obviously trouble. But <laughs> my <laughs> successful though. No, but, well, yeah, I know. My little boy, he's four years old. Yeah. He's been a right little. Oh, he's oh, he's he's really pushing it at the moment. He's a boy. 
Is, is, that, is that a difference? Well, no, there's um, obviously a difference. Some, it is sometimes. I'm Winkles and woo-woos. Our, our, young, our, our youngest one, who I'm looking after, is five and a half. Right. And he is the, the be- little angel, he really is. But when he, twi- you know, flips, he is little. Last night, right, so my eldest, he's four, he's four and a half. Yeah. And he was, he was really pushing it, OK? And he wouldn't get out of the bath. And fair play, he'd not been very well that day. He'd been throwing up that day, so he, but he was still pushing it. And he's there in the bath, and he says to me, I said, right, we're going to get out of the bath now. No, I will not. Right. I said, son, son, you're getting out of the bath now. You disgust me. <laughs> I said, I beg your pardon. You disgust me. Don't you dare speak to me like that. He's copying daddy. He, he, whoa, what? Really? I think so. I don't think I've used the word disgust. Or oh, have right. I? Maybe. Is it a play school? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they pick things up. Yeah. You know what I do? I actually use reverse tactics with them mostly. Oh, go on. No, pull the plug out, yeah. get out, and it's like going out the door. You know, I see you ready, they're messing about. I said, right, I'm going, I shut the door. I'm coming, I'm coming! Oh, I, I've, no, I've done that in the past. Yeah. And then ten minutes later, he sat in an empty bath, covered in bubbles, re- yeah. still refusing to get out. Yeah. Fine, just leave it. Just do it a couple of times. OK. And that. And leave him overnight? Older, yeah, you could do it. Yeah, but i take a blanket in there. Ruth, thank you very much. There we go. There we go. T- um, uh, child-rearing tips from the olden days. I'm uh, not sure we can advocate leaving children in baths. Yeah, you, you wait until you have kids, Paul. Then, then you'll, you'll do anything you need to. And by, <laughs> to. To quote Malcolm X, by any means necessary. <laughs> Is that what you do? Yeah, by any means necessary. Mr X certainly had uh, a good point. I think he was talking about bringing up children. I'm not totally sure what his, his beef was. It probably translates. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, last... You disgust me. I got really... Don't you talk to me like that, son. You disgust me. Hey, you remember the uh, story we did last week about the spitting? Not really. I mean, I don't really... OK, so there was a story last week that we did about shit. people yes. who... I'm, um... I'm Miss Simon Lederman. Go on. That was when radio was was great here. Yeah. And when Ledders was doing it. Oh, this idiot now. He's a leaf uh, uh, Big Brother used to be on the TV. Oh, he used to work with Ricky Gervais, so he thinks he's a big man. But he's obviously not. He's living his career in reverse. He, Let's get Simon Lederman, or even Gaunty back. He doesn't uh, go on about it either. No. Um, the spitting story we did, hey? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Shall I fill you in? After this. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. So on the M1, very heavy southbound towards Toddington Services on the sensors. Slow into London with an accident at Junction 2, Five Ways Corner. M1 slow from London Gateway Services. And if you're on the M40, very heavy out of London up to the M25. Anti-clockwise M25, slow moving in patches from 20 Kings Langley down to 16, the M40. It's slow east of Stevenage, between Stevenage and Watton at Stone, the A602, slow towards the temporary traffic lights by Oaks Cross Farm. Work continues there uh, to the electricity uh, cables until Wednesday. And on the trains, possible delays on Virgin West Coast mainline trains because of a uh, breakdown between Wolverhampton and Birmingham New Street. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Half past eight, I'm Lee Agnew. The headlines, questions are being asked about the honour system after a Bedford doctor who was struck off twice was awarded the MBE. Anjan Banerjee now says he's handing the honour back.
A solar energy company is refuting claims that a solar farm at Nebworth will be noisy. Solstice Renewables is planning to build the farm on a 50-acre site. Residents in Luton say a road that's been resurfaced in the town is worse than before the work started. Contractors tarmacked around a parked car when they began work on Gardenia Avenue and Norton Road on Friday morning. The weather will be dry with sunny spells at first this morning, but cloudy with scattered showers this afternoon. Top temperatures around 23 degrees Celsius at 73 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting with golf and Rory McIlroy won the WGC Bridgestone Invitational by two shots from Sergio Garcia in Ohio last night. He sealed victory with a four under par final round 66 to finish 15 under for the tournament. That result combined with McIlroy's British Open win two weeks ago sees him replace Adam Scott as world number one. It feels great um, to get that number one spot again is... It's very special. It's, it's a nice title to hold and, and hopefully I can hold on to it for a little while longer. The Commonwealth Games in Glasgow have come to an end with the closing ceremony last night. England topped the table ahead of Australia with 174 medals. That includes 58 golds. Britain's men's number one tennis player Andy Murray has confirmed that Amelie Moresmo will remain as his coach for the foreseeable future. Murray slipped to 10th in the world rankings after splitting with former coach Ivan Lendl and spending time out with a back injury. Murray says he's determined to get back to winning ways. The rankings don't lie in. Um, I need to, you know, I need to start winning more matches um, to, to push my ranking back up there, but. The, the main goal for me is, is to, to try to win Grand Slams. That's, that's, what I, that's what motivates me. In cricket, Buckinghamshire's side Dinton lost to Grace Chu in the semi-finals of the National Village Cup. And the Milton Keynes Dons host newly promoted Premier League side Leicester this evening with a 7.45 kick-off at Stadium MK. BBC Three Counties News and Sport, more at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> we have uh, some classic bands before we come on air. Classic. My finger was riding the fader and thinking, I hope we, I don't want this classic bands to ever end, but it had to end. It had to end. And no more bands. No more. We's on air. Sorry for sending you away earlier. We're doing World War One all this week, so no, um, so I gather half past is see half, half past, past all this week. Yes, is that it's, fine? It's a date. I look forward to it. I look forward to having you at half past every morning this week. Gosh. Uh, what's on your show today? Coming up on this morning's big phone-in, have you, uh, you've heard this story, I presume, today, that Sir Richard Branson says parents should be allowed to take their children out of school to go on holiday during term time. I'd miss that, but uh, good for him. The multimillionaire virgin boss argues family trips are an invaluable part of childhood and that young people could learn more from a holiday than they would in the classroom. Uh, he voiced his support for the pro-term time holiday campaign after British parents, Mr and Mrs Skelcher were fined £400 for taking their children out of school to visit a dying relative in Australia. Mm. Well, from nine this morning, I want your views on this. Do you think it's acceptable to take children out of school to go on holiday? I'm gauging from you, you do then. I do, my wife doesn't. One of the many things we disagree on. Oh. Yeah, she wouldn't, I would, at a moment's notice. Why would you, though? Because... Isn't it? I mean, let me just present these arguments to you. Let's see if you can bat them away like a pro. Well, no, if, 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 if they're the same arguments that my wife would come up with, I would just be storming out of here, slamming the door. But let's carry on. Well, don't do that. Um, 
Right, okay, here we go. Yep. Here's number one, then. Yep. So number one is that, ultimately, you are teaching children to be disrespectful to the school rules. You are teaching children that there is more to life than what can be taught from a book. Oh. Mm. Next, number two. No. That, that was a good one, though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, well, it was. Yes, yeah. it was good. Uh, number two, they may miss out on valuable schooling and valuable education, and it will take ages for them to catch up. Uh, the taking ages for it to catch up is a myth, and I would speak to the teachers before and ask them if there was anything significant that, that they were going to miss, and if they were, could I take it with them? But then you're putting the teacher under undue pressure when they're going to have to help your child catch up what, what, on top of all the other work they're having to what, do. What pressure am I putting on by going to them in advance saying that we're going to be away between these dates, these dates? Is there anything significant? If there is, do you think we could, you could give us some homework to do on holiday? You're being selfish because ultimately you're taking your children away because you want a holiday, not because they need one. Au contraire, I'm being generous of spirit by taking my children to show them outside of the confines of the classroom and allow their mass imaginations to go wild. They may even pick up a foreign language. From nine, I'm going to see if people agree with you or not. <laughs> Do you think it's acceptable to take children out of school to go on holiday? I'd love your call on 08459 455 555. And it's cheaper. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. What's, uh, what's this in my running order? It, Spit, spitting up. No, no, no. Before, huh? before the spitting update, and we'll get there in a second. JVS. What? No, 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 no. What's this on my screen? It says whisper voiceover, Justin Dealey. Dare I play it? Uh, I'm going to play it. Okay. If you hear a whisper, give us the shout. Oh, there we go. It's just more of the wonderful catchphrase. We'll have that. We'll have a... the catchphrase is building its support here, I think. If you hear yeah. a whisper, give us a shout. If you hear a whisper. Give us the shout. There we go, guys. It certainly really is. We've had several whispers today. Yeah, and, and they, they're turning into shouts. They're turning into shouts. Here comes a shout now. Last week we heard about a spate of spitting incidents in Bedfordshire where people have been stopped by a white van. This is horrible. Stopped by a white van. Excuse me, love, you give us directions. You go over there. Yeah, where do you want to go? And then the, the, the bloke in there would spit at them. Several uh, incidents in Leighton Buzzard and also reports of some others in Houghton Regis. Well, we spoke to Katie, who got spat at, and uh, it, 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 it sounds like it could be quite flippant, right? But if you imagine that happening to you or to your wife, or to your, it's horrible. And Katie was very, very upset. We also spoke to uh, Sergeant Andy Rivers uh, from Leighton Buzzard Police Station, who was investigating. Uh, he said that he'd come back on the show on Monday... Sergeant Andy Rivers is back on the show this, this morning. Good morning, Andy. Thanks for getting back in touch. What's the latest? Yeah, good morning to you all. Um, the latest is we went and saw Katie last week. Um, we've taken a detailed statement from her and have seized the, uh, the T-shirt that might have some forensic evidence on it. Yep. And the process is now it's with um, an officer to investigate and uh, the T-shirt will be um, submitted for forensics. Um, it's whether or not um, Bedfordshire Police will decide that that is something they want to submit, but we will be submitting it. OK. Uh, and I would imagine that um, Katie was quite relieved that someone went and spoke to her. I haven't spoken to her, but I would. Look, we did phone her straight after the show Brilliant. and arrange an appointment to go and see her. Um, all four of the offences that we've got have all been pulled together now, so one person's investigating it rather than it being individual officers. OK. So all being well with the four of them... Um, 
we might get a positive result. I say, on that, the night before I went on the show, the van was stopped. Yeah. So I do know who was in the van. I think it's just a matter of putting everything together and hopefully getting a positive outcome. All right, listen, I can understand why you're being a little bit cagey today, as now it's an ongoing investigation. Uh, maybe we can speak to you at some point. I know you're, you're busy and you're off and about. But speak in a few weeks and just, just follow this up and see how it's going. No problem at all. Andy, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. Sergeant Andy Rivers, 08459 455555. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. If you hear a whisper, give us a shout. (laughs) Uh, So, what are we talking about? Let's reset the stall, shall we, a little bit. A few big things. The honours system. Can anybody justify celebrities getting honours just because, oh, they do a lot of work for charity? Well, really, Bruce? Did Bruce Forsyth get knighted in the end? If he did, the only reason he done got the knighthood was because he was kicking off and having a bit of a hissy fit that he hadn't received a knighthood. We should we should be giving um, uh, honours to you know people who are uh, who help sick who are there holding sick children's hands when they die, or you know people who make a difference to their community. Not people like Bruce Forsyth and Karen Brady, for goodness sakes, multi-millionaires who are doing really well in their job. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. OK, hang on. Just for a second. Yeah. Uh, the Karen Brady you talk about, yeah. she's being talked about as being a potential uh, future lord. Yeah, she's a CBE. Made a peer. Yeah. That's different from getting a kind of an MBE. She's a CBE. She is a CBE. That's what I'm talking about. She's a CBE. Uh, I am talking about... I'm not talking about her being a peer or anything like that. That's a okay. whole other corrupt that is system. A I'm talking about the fact that Karen Brady, CBE, is a CBE. She's done a lot for the uh, country. What? Replacing Margaret on The Apprentice? Really? Yes, Margaret did give me and my wife a very dirty look on an EasyJet flight to Greece once because we had children with us. Filthy look. But really, Karen Brady should get a CBE for not giving me and my wife a dirty look? I don't think so. I've got confused there. Uh, well, uh, sorry, I, uh, there's a lot of the news in the a lot, a lot in the papers today about her being potentially turned into a peer. I know. I've subsequently realised that, and yeah. I'm backing down. Well, but is that back down going to include an apology to me? It'll go through your people. You could say it on the radio. No, it'll go through your people. Oh. It make, means more when it's in writing. It means more when it's said in in a public forum in front of not many people. I'll go to the Luton Town Centre. Probably be more people there, let's be honest, after the latest figures. It's a joke, guys. It's a joke. Get over it. We're talking about that. We're also talking about video games. Turns out they're good for your kids. Yes. All you people that say, ah, oh, video games, they, they encourage violence. They No, they don't. Because most people can tell the difference between sitting there, pressing the X button and shooting a pixelated character and going out and creating violence in the real world. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And World War One. It's a hundred years since the start of World War One. Uh, people are being encouraged to sit in their homes in the darkness at ten o'clock at night with uh, just a candle. Is anyone going to do it? Really? Lynn, Lynn's in Bletchley. Lynn, are you going to do it? Yes. Tell me why. As a mark of respect for all of those that have lost their lives, we all know people that have got relations or further back. If we haven't got anybody ourselves that. Uh, died in the First World War, but not just the First, First, Second World War and past and present conflicts. 
and I think we should mark it. See, I, I haven't. I don't know my family tree well enough to know if any of my relatives uh, fought in World War One, and I don't... And I, by the way, listen, I'm not knocking this idea. I think it's mm. a cracking idea. I think it's a nice idea. I'm just questioning it. Uh, just questioning if people will do it. I don't know uh, of anybody... Who uh, who has a connect direct connection with World War One? I'm sure there must be, but I don't know it. There is. I I I, I do the poppies every year in Bletchley, and I speak to lo- lots and lots of people, and they tell me all different stories. Of, and some are from their relations that they lost during the First World War, um, and the Second, obviously, and obviously present conflict. So you hear. So there is people, and uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people tonight. I've got. My, I've already got my um, poppies up at the window. Yeah, and I would do, be doing my candle. Lynn, have you, but by the way, have you got? Did you did you have to go and buy a candle specially, or have you got like candles in a drawer somewhere? No, I've got a candle, but I've also got you know the battery candles. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh no, you're not going to use one of those tonight, are you? Well, no, I, I'm not. No, I'm going to take one round to a couple of people in the bungalows. Oh, I, where I live. Again, very generous of you. I hate the battery <laughs> candles. No, I know, but these, oh. these look at originals. It's really? Just, it, well, they can't. They can't have a problem. Oh, okay. All right. Fire hazard. And about your little boy. Yeah. You, you need a naughty step. I did, now, does the, I thought because the thinking on how we bring up our kids changes like every five minutes. I thought the naughty step was kind of out of favour again. Well, I don't. I always I had a naughty chair, but I also had the naughty Ooh, step. Naughty chair. I brought up. Uh, I had five children of my own, but I also took in some children. So it came in very handy. And where I live, yeah. one of the little boys, well, one of my sons, absolutely adored to be outside playing on that field. Yeah. I live facing on a field. And I used to make sure he was sat and see all the other children. Oh, God, you were torturing him! Oh, no! Lynn! It wasn't for long. It was only five minutes. Time out. OK, Lynn, thank you very much. Indeed. I, yeah, I thought naughty steps were out of favour now. I thought they were kind of gone a little bit. Do they work? Because I always... The only experience... I I've had is of friends' children, yeah. and as soon as they've been put on the naughty step, they wander off the naughty step. I once heard, um, Kath, uh, I once heard a, a former colleague, um, I phoned her up, and she was in the process of releasing one of the children from the naughty step. Wow. And it was, I'd never heard this tone of voice from her, have you learnt your lesson? Yes. Are you going to say sorry? Sorry? And a really sarcastic, right, off you go. So I don't think that lesson had been learned. H- Harriet is on the line. Morning, Harriet. Hi, Ian. Hi, Harriet. What have you got for us? I've got some bunny rabbit info. Oh, here we go. My my rabbit, his fur is going all different colours and, and patchy. What, um, should I be worried? No. Oh, thanks for calling. He's caught the, he's caught the sun. Excuse me? He's caught the sun. Oh, flippin' it. She's a nut job. Ha- no, seriously, I've had nine rabbits. Yeah. He's he's um he's just been in the sun. Their fur naturally gets bleached by the sun. Right. I mean, one of mine is really blotchy at the minute. Yeah. And it's purely suntan. And that's putting suntan. him away at night. Do you feed him in the morning? Feed him. Yeah. Do you feed? When do you feed him? You're meant to feed them. <laughs> yes, feed him. Oh, crikey. I suppose we could start feeding him in the morning. I, I mean, I, I just assumed... No, 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 I'm thinking... If you're trying to put them away at night, don't feed them until they're in their hutch. So he won't get into it, the hutch until I put... The, I have to put the food in the hutch to get him in the hutch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you, but you don't give him any food in the morning. 
Because if he knows his food is at bedtime, he's more likely to come in. I, mean, I thought you're supposed to feed them. You're supposed to feed them twice a day. Mm-mm, once. Ah. Uh-huh. Depends on the breed. What breeds Benjamin? He's a ra- he's a he's a bunny. He's a he's a he's a bunny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Suntan on a rabbit! Are you bonkers? Travel news for beds, hearts, suntan bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A602, really slow east of Stevenage. Between Stevenage and Walnut Stone, there are temporary traffic lights set up outside Oaks Cross Farm. That's causing delays uh, each way, east and westbound on the 602 this morning. Uh, the A1M, usual heavy traffic, 8 to 7, passing Stevenage. Uh, it's very busy, by the way, southbound uh, on the A1 at Black Cat, approaching the Black Cat roundabout and the ongoing works. The M1 is heavy, 12 to 10, into London, easing off. The accident down at uh, Five Ways Corner has cleared. Anticlock Likewise, M25, well, that's slowed down towards Junction 16 for the M40. And on the trains, possible delays on the West Coast Main Line. Virgin reporting half-hour delays, uh, up to half-hour delays because of a train that broke down earlier north of Birmingham. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you very much. A suntanned rabbit. That was a, that was a wind-up call, yeah? That, we, just, we just had a prank call on the show, didn't we? 8.47, it's Monday the 4th of August, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford doctor who was struck off in 2002 is handing back his MBE. Developers of a solar farm at Nebworth have refuted claims it will be too busy. And a candlelit vigil is being held this evening to mark a century since the First World War. Will you be taking part? Do you feel any connection with it? 08459 455 555. We'll talk to Justin about that. But before that, let's get the latest weather. Here's Georgina. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello there, lots of sunny spells around today and into this evening, but a few scattered showers as well, mainly this afternoon. Some of them will be heavy, but we won't all have them. Some of us will have a dry day. Temperatures reaching 22 or 3 degrees Celsius. And tonight should be largely dry, a few clear spells. Temperatures down to 12 degrees, so fairly cool and comfortable. And a bright start to tomorrow. It does cloud over a little, but there should still be some sunshine around and similar temperatures to today. Wednesday, though, we have a band of rather heavy showers pushing through for much of the day. Thursday, sunny spells and isolated showers, and then we return to heavy rain on Friday. That's your latest forecast. Thank you very much. Uh, James has sent an email. Ian, could you please tell the chappie from traffic there is no accidents on the corner of Tongwell and Standing Way in Milton Keynes. Thank you very much, and I hope you're having a better day than I'm having. With football... No day is just a day. December. It's a day where memories are made. It's going to be put in by Andre Gray. February the 15th, 2014. It's a second goal for Luton Town. A chance for 3-0 and a chance for game over. What a team goal for Luton Town. Penalty here, Andre Gray. Puts it in, it's 5-0. Cross in in towards Andre Gray. Who tucks it in for number six. But it'll be tucked in with the score. With Three Counties Sport, we'll make every day memorable. The 2014-2015 season starts on Saturday, August the 9th, on BBC Three Counties Radio. Why? How? Why? How? Call 08459-455-555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I like the mushy peas. <laughs> Makes me laugh every time. That's David Guest.
former uh, wife of um, the woman whose mum was Dorothy, Liza Minnelli. Uh, and he was uh, asked on a red carpet, what do you like so much about living in England? And his reply was... I like the mushy peas. <laughs> Favorite, favorite bit of audio ever. That's from like about eight years ago, and I, I managed to to, uh, to find that somewhere. Matt's in Luton. Morning, Matt. Morning. How are you, boss? I'm all right. Yeah, good. You, you don't sound it. You sound as miserable as ever. But go on. Oh, I've got a bit of a stinking cold. So. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah. What have you got for us? Um, you were on about getting your boy out of the bath. Yeah, we wouldn't get out of the bath, and he said I was... Di- you disgust me, he Well, said. the reason he said that, he's exactly like you. Excuse me? He's picked that up from you. I beg your pudding? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then about. all you got to do is get the shower... What? ...and just put a cold shower on him quickly. What? And he's straight out. You want to spray a four-year-old with freezing cold water? Don't need to be freezing. Just get the shower, turn it on. <laughs> why, don't I just do, why don't I do it with boiling water? Uh, what you could do, but that uh, would be a bit cruel, yeah. You're a, and you think that yours isn't cruel? Uh, no, no. Wait, listen. It's, it's quick. It's quick. Um, Matt, Matt, listen. It's not 1914, OK? You're not five years old again, uh, having a bucket of water chucked over you uh, and some coal while you're having a bath in the frying pan like did in old days. Oh, very good. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you insult me more often? OK, I will do if you want. It's not... You're not having to go scrumping to steal apple because you've not got enough bread and ration and we never saw banana till we were 52 years old. Well, there you go. There you go. You see where your children pick it up from? That, from probably from you. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> probably from people, no. grumpy old people like you. No, I haven't got a, sh- a morning show. You have, and he probably listens to it. Yeah. And thinks, he thinks my dad, I'm going to copy him. He thinks Matt and Luton is such a pain in the old... Pain in the old Arsenal, yeah, I oh, know. Yeah, pa- yeah, pain in the Arsenal, yes. Yeah. That, uh, I'm going to be really grumpy and miserable and rude to my daddy like Matt is, despite the fact that my daddy is an awesome guy and is one of the most awesome people in the world. And well, you're talking about me again. No, talk about me! Oh, sorry. Go on, tell me about rabbits. They can't get suntan, can I'll they? Just, I'll, I'll tell you, Ian, this is serious. My cat has got a suntan, sunburned. Oh, God. And, and honestly, Ian, no. now listen to this. Just listen. No. I think, listen, Matt, I think... No, for, will you listen? No, I won't, mate, because you're talking rubbish. I'm I, not. I think for your own, for your own um, self-respect, we should stop putting you on the air, because you're obviously starting to lose it a little bit. Well, I haven't been on for ages. Yeah, there's a... Ri- and everybody's mourning because I'm not on. Who's... Who's moaning? All my friends in the restaurants, they keep saying, Matt, you haven't been on for three days, four yeah. days. What's going down? Yeah, the, the reason they're moaning, Matt, is because they're moaning because you're in the Leicester Arms with them. I said, no. I said, it's Ian. He's got so much trouble trying to get his son out of the bath. Yeah, I've got, I, no, I've got standards, Matt. And I just think that you're obviously losing the plot a bit and as a sign of respect, maybe we should stop putting you on the air. I Your cat has got suntan. I said to you, come up to the Leicester Arms. You want a bit of an argument. Uh, yeah, if I come to the Leicester Arms, you'll get more than an argument, Matt. You'll probably get a slap. You, oh, I'd enjoy that, Ian. Really? Yes. Why? <laughs> you kinky devil. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Ta-ta. What's a, what's a random phone call, Justin? Boss, he's got a point. Sorry? He's got a point. What point has he I've got? I've got a story here for you. If you hear a whisper, give us a shout, by the way. But, uh, yes, my mum... Who's going to whisper? 
because it's a show. Yep, that's him. People now coming up to me about the show's catchphrase. Yeah. Um, yeah, my mum used to have two white cats, Duchess and Bianca. Who? Duchess and Bianca. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, sakes. mother and daughter. Yeah. Now, Duchess was okay, but uh, Bianca used to have to put sun cream on her ears. Oh, mate. And, um, unfortunately, she got cancer on her ear. She had to have her ear removed. So it can happen to pure because white cats. Because she was allergic to sun cream? No. Not, no, nothing to do with that, but uh, pure white cats, they have red ears. Dave, can you believe this? I can do in a sense, yes. Well, what sense? Well, it, this cancer on animals and drugs, what? humans, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, the f- all this lose these um, cats or rabbits losing fur, yeah, going bald and everything else. Like you, <laughs> right? It's, have you noticed the, uh, this change in the weather? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's hot. It's summer. No, no, it's going colder. No, it's, it's, it's it was hot this weekend, mate. No, no, it's, no, it's it going was hot colder. This... I'm standing outside. It was hot this weekend. Hold on. No. They're all losing their fur now. No. Getting ready for the winter. I've not spoken about. They don't lose their fur in winter. They lose their fur in summer. They get their fur back in winter, you... Well, that's, that's what I'm saying to you. You just said they were losing their fur for winter. Now. Now. now they're losing now. their fur for, for No, but summer. the rabbit isn't losing his fur. That's not what I said. He is. He's, he's going... He told, told us he's going bald. No, I didn't. So you just do not listen, Dave. I'm really getting angry now. You don't <laughs> listen. Oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, I said his fur's <laughs> gone patchy. It's in different colours. Yeah, he's not, he's not losing it. Because they're losing, they're no, hair's falling out. No, he's not losing it. It's gone patchy. Yeah, because he's losing it. No, he's, he's losing the he's hair. He's not losing it. It's gone patchy in colour. Right, listen, Dave. I know you've called in about video games, but Justin yeah. has got a piece for us, and then we'll come back to you if we've got time. Okay? Okay. Right. Yeah. Oh, flipping it. Wow. Yeah. What, what is with the attitude, Dave? Pardon? So, Justin. <laughs> yes. World War One. Is anybody going to be lighting a candle tonight? Yes, the 100th anniversary. I've been asking people if they will be turning off their lights this evening for an hour. Also, if they have a connection to World War One. Pretty poor response, but I found some people in the end. Here's what they had to say. Dave? Yes? Could you stop breathing so heavily and have a little bit of respect, please? I'm not breathing heavy. I'm just standing here minding my own business like you should do. Um, my mum's brother. My mum's brother. <laughs> he died in it. But this evening, your lights at 10 o'clock, will they be switched off? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they will. They died to give us this, didn't they, really? Mm, they absolutely. Did. I mean, you're the first person I've spoken to in, what, 30 minutes who, who knows about this this evening, who's going to be doing that. Does that make you feel quite sad? Yes, it does, actually. Yeah. Veronica, you will be turning your lights off this evening. Most people I'm talking to on the streets, A, didn't know, and B, if I'm being brutally honest, they couldn't care less. What do you think about that? I think it's very wrong. I mean, they fought for us. We wouldn't be here today if they hadn't walked that war, fought that war for us. Mm. You know, I mean, they gave their lives. A lot of them, very, very young people. Very, very young people. Lost their families and everything, homes and everything. And they should be remembered. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it's their bravery that fought that war for us. Marjorie, you have a, a very strong connection to World War One. that being your father. Tell us more about your father. He joined up when he was about 17 and then... Um, he was captured just towards the end of the war and a German that had lived in England recognised him and he cut the barbed wire because in those days there weren't camps. They were all encoded in barbed wire mm. and they escaped and they, of course, had to walk through to get home, got through to Belgium and the peace was declared. So, of course, he just 
got home then, but instead of the Red Cross, there used to be societies that helped prisoners. And right up until I was about 10 or 11, he still had parcels from this Lady Victoria Herbert, her name was, from London. Who she was, I don't know. Absolutely extraordinary. So this evening, I'm sure your message will be at 10 o'clock, turn your lights out. Let's remember these heroes who, who fought for us. Yeah, yeah, remember, because there was so many young people that I don't think today they'd get the volume of volunteers if there was another war that they had, you know, they were so patriotic. Did that first lady say her mum's dad died in World War One? No, brother. Oh, oh, yeah, her mum's brother. Mm. I think she was confusing the wars. I don't think so. I mean, I, well, I how old was that lady? Um, oh God, it's going to be very rude of me to even guess here. I probably say she. I would probably say that she was in her late sixties, early seventies. Seventy. So, mum's mm. brother. Okay, possibly. Yeah, right, possibly. Right, okay. She had a very young voice. Mm. Uh, some great stuff there, great stories. Yeah, but I mean, it's sad, though, because you go out this morning and most people haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Of course, today being a very, very special yep. day, this evening at 10 o'clock, turn your lights off, light a candle, let's remember these heroes. Hopefully, we've got the message out there and we can make a, a bit of a difference. Do you know what, if, if I weren't, I will be asleep. If I weren't asleep, I would, I would probably do it mm, to have a moment's yeah. reflection. I think you would do, absolutely. Yeah. I think, hopefully, the majority of people, well, when the news gets out today, the majority of people hopefully will do something tonight to remember these heroes. Justin, good stuff. So you can do sensible stuff when you try? Yeah, yeah, sometimes. How's your nipple? Um, it's, um, it's fallen off. Okay, thank you very much. Dave! Yes? You wanted to talk about video games? You're going to switch me off, mate, because it's nine o'clock, isn't it? Correct. Go on. So perceptive. news for beds. More predictable. And bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The southbound A1 towards Black Cat, usual congestion into the roadworks. Delays passing Stevenage on the A1M at 7. A602 east of Stevenage towards Watnut Stone, slow into the ongoing works. Temporary traffic lights are in place for electricity works. And the anti-clockwise M25 slow down to 16. First Capital Connects delays down through London because there are signalling problems at London Bridge. James Woolley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you, James. Misery on uh, Twitter rather astutely says, in capital letters, who the hell calls a cat Bianca? JD's mum, that's who. Jonathan's up next. We're back tomorrow at six. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Monday, it's nine o'clock, and on today's big phone-in, do you think it's acceptable to take children out of school to go...